Hello, and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am your host, Ben Mandelker, and we are at the start of... Actually, it's not the start of another round, just the start of another turn. It's, this is round 14, turn 3. Can you tell that I copy and pasted this little spiel here? Uh, yes. Round 14, turn 3, and I'm here with Paul Satachit, the Game Breaker. And Trey, oh, yeah. Obligatory. <laughs> and Trey Alsop, the designer. Hi, everyone. Trey, you're back in the guest seat today. How's it I'm feel? I'm so happy to be in the, in the member, member seat, yeah. the co-host seat. Good. Are you comfortable? Are you in a comfortable seat? Do we need a cushion? I'm, I, we're very comfortable here in Ben's condo. Uh, what is the proper word? This, no, this is a, this is actually technically a house. This is a house. It's a one of those things. A technical house. It's a technical house. It is a house for technical things, uh, like podcasting. You share a wall with another. So house. no, there, there's like a like a three inch no. thing that's called a flex wall, which therefore uh, that three inch flex wall now makes it that this is a single family home. Oh, so like yeah. Okay. or something. Yeah. So welcome to my single family home guys. Wow. And, um, I, I should mention we are at my house. We are recording here. Um, my new mics did not get here in time. So we have like a nice smorgasbord of mics. So there, I, I apologize ahead of time. If there's some like inconsistency on the audio, right, uh, Paul sounds weird. Yeah. It's the, the, the mics. No, Paul, that's his that, fault. That's my, that, that's me. It's okay. on me. That's on you. <laughs> also, uh, as per the tradition of my home, uh, I anticipate in the next 30 minutes, the doorbell will ring. I, I, I feel like there'll be an Amazon delivery. That's just going to be, you know, like I, I tried to eliminate the outside noise, but you know, the rule of podcasting is doorbells always ring during the podcast, yeah, right? At, at 9 a.m., like on a Sunday. It's going to work. It's going to happen. It happens. It literally always happens. Like, it's like, I, I, I don't even know where the Amazon package comes from, but it arrives at Sunday at 9 a.m. I think it actually comes from Amazon. Well, that's true too. <laughs> that's that's true too. Ben, let me also compliment you because I can see you've silenced your phone. I did. So I, I want to say I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, There's I, no I, slight intended to anyone else with that comment at all. I can turn it on if you want. No, you hear all the bells. No, and no, the no. I really appreciate that you turned feel, your phone off. I feel bad because I turned my phone off and I don't get a like an attaboy. Mm, yeah. Well, that's because. <laughs> That's, that's you have an Android, one. so oh, yeah. Oh, bird! Yeah. Thanks um, for the green text on our messages, Paul. Oh, yeah, in in case anyone can't tell, this actually is a board gaming podcast. <laughs> 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 but we also just had a lot of coffee, and Paul did announce right before we started that he's in the coffee pocket. Yeah, got four minutes. We got four <laughs> minutes. Um, but today we are going to talk about the 2021 release, Magnate. The first city. And then uh, after that, we're going to talk about expectations in game nights. You know, like the expectations you have going into a game night, managing them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, with that being said, unless there's any other bantery things you guys need to get off your chest, anything, Paul? I'm going to save the banter. I'm actually excited. This is your first uh, time uh, hosting hosting for uh, for our our podcast. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. Thank you for bringing me. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, Trey. Yes, thank Trey is so happy to not be hosting today. I, and I'll I see love, everyone next week. I just love to talk. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. This is make this makes me happy. Um, turn, turn them loose. No, thank you very much for giving me giving me this opportunity to talk more. And everyone, like if you do, if you want to vote for or vote Ben off the island, you know, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? He's I just got off. here. He's staying. Um so part of me hosting for the first time is uh involves me also 
playing the sound effects for the first sure, time. Sure. Nice. Which, if I actually, uh, I nice. actually already forgot to play the intro, didn't I? You did. That's yeah. Okay, we, we'll, we'll put post. it in. Or, it's or, going in and post. That's right. That's right. Um, actually, though, so we're about to move on to game night. However, okay. So one of my things with our game night jingle is that it's like very spooky all year round. Like it could be like. You know, June. but today is Halloween. But today is Halloween. This is the most appropriate our jingle will ever be. It's like an eclipse of like you know uh, of, of what you call it of uh, like, like alignment. 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 Yeah. Right, yes. And by the way, I have to say, uh, you know what I love about our podcast that we are recording on Halloween. And we are recording about a city building economic game, <laughs> the spookiest game out there. Ooh. <laughs> Market crash. America. There it goes. There it is. There it is. Yeah. See, yeah. I just, I just did it. We you weren't expecting it. it. Um, so game night. What did you guys play, Trey? Let's start with you. What did you play this week? All right, so we had a couple game nights. Uh, Matt, Matt is back in the saddle having Tuesday night game nights sometimes when his schedule allows. Works. And so got a chance to play Grand Austria Hotel. Oh, so jealous. Last waltz there. And um, hey, big surprise. I, I, I don't like being the negative guy. It wasn't. I didn't love oh, it. Oh, dissenting. Did, yeah, dissenting. Because um, <laughs> it was cool. But it, it is definitely in the school of the, the Trismegistus school of kind of solitary play, lack of interaction, playing cards in combination mm. with cards, kind of like the way that Hallertau goes, where you get like, oh, I'm playing this yeah, card to link card. this card to link this card. Yeah. Which is... Fun things, yeah. Those, Yes, true. Those are fun things when you are doing them. <laughs> when you are across the table from someone else doing them, and they go, well, this gives me this, which gives me this, which gives me this, which gives me this. And... Like, that's not necessarily fun to observe. It's also very hard to track. Yes. And I'm not even sure you're supposed to. Right. So, anyway, this came down onto kind of a lack of player interactivity. Okay. Which, for me, is definitely a turnoff. At the same time, I was thinking earlier, our, we were discussing, like, Ankh mm-hmm. and Eric Lang games, which are in, which are very much like troops. Before on, the podcast, you, you mean, by yeah, the Yeah, before way, the yes. podcast, yeah. Um, but those are, like, troops on a map game, which can be highly interactive, and I don't love those either, so I think I've just decided that I'm a Grinch. <laughs> yeah. And that you're <laughs> no like one should listen doesn't like to anything. me. He doesn't like anything. anything <laughs> although I'm still very excited you, about Imperial State. Like, tic-tac-toe, I don't know. No? Trey, the game Grinch. Yeah, editing that on the website you know the new name <laughs> i support it i love a dissenting opinion you know so uh, as someone who often has them i totally support you even though i'm really excited to play i, I my yeah, expect, yeah, yeah. You, mine came in a few weeks ago and i haven't been able to play it yet so i'm really excited we also paul and i completed this week a game of, now would you say that was ultimate railroads that we played on bgg or is it asian railroads I, that because like Ultimate Railroads is like the big box mm. of Russian railroads, German railroads, American railroads, and Asian railroads. Right. I would say it's Asian. It had the Kyoto line, so I assume that that means something. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. doesn't sound like German railroads. It, it, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, and uh, I thought it was fun. It, it, it's, yeah. it's well within the uh, the Russian railroads universe. Is that, is that, yeah, is the, that the extent the Russian railroads extended universe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. are. You. It was very interesting to see Alfred not like crush us for all the reps he's had at, at, at Russian Railroads. And, and congratulations, Trey. You've earned your win. Wow. Against Alfred. <laughs> I think he took it easy on us. Oh, happy birthday, Alfred, by the way. You oh. mentioned today is his birthday. Yes. Uh, happy birthday, Alfred. Uh, 
Happy birthday. We, we get to do a Today song. Today is right? their birthday, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you very much for, for uh, correcting sorry. me on that sorry. one. Um, so, uh, happy birthday. So, uh, what, did, what, did, uh, what did it bring to the table, by the way? Uh, there's a new factory mechanic, right? Is that what it is? Like, where uh, in Russian you there's, have... There's the industry line. And in most of the games, you like run it around the outside of your own personal player board. And in Asian, it's shared. So when you place a factory down, other people can end up traveling That's through cool. that factory, like and there's that. kind of a cart mechanism that goes with that. Wagon, when you I wagon, yeah, when you place an, when you place a factory, you're able, also able to place a wagon on any factory at that time that then has to be activated by a person moving through it. But it's a way to re-trigger the factories multiple times, and this is yeah. honestly like the reason that. I won the game between the three of us because I was the only one who like read the rule book. I there it, but there we go. All right, they would have a notification. There we go. By the way, yes. uh, (laughs) Congratulations. By the way, for everyone who wants to know, tomorrow is the first day of American Indian Heritage Month. So there we go. Thank you, iCal, for 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 (laughs) For reminding us of that. It will probably happen five more times. I don't know how to turn off iCal notifications. I will work on that for the next (laughs) podcast. (laughs) We set that up well. We we could have just lied that. um, Imagine that was my doorbell. That would be such. A lovely doorbell, yeah. but uh, we could have just lied that my computer was like, "Yes, Trey, good point, good point." Right. <laughs> no, not, not a good point. I think going back to like the original Russian railroads, mm-hmm. I think the, if I remember correctly, either designer said this or like the basic reviews of that game said this is essentially like reskinned Agricola because mm-hmm. it's worker placement and kind of linking these actions together. And I, I think that each of these games just presents kind of like a new puzzle sure. of like how the, there's each of these boards has variations now. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount of just, yeah. f- because you, Paul, you were saying you felt like if you play these games a few times, you're going to very quickly get to a, there's an optimal move in every yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. So like they're kind of solvable. Mm-hmm. I think I, I imagine like an AI would, uh, a proper AI would always win. Right, you know, I, I think that they would evaluate the the right board state and be able to predict, you know, in, in the same way chess you could, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's yeah. I mean, Russian railroads, I think, is is really fun. I own a copy of. I actually have German and American too. I have never played American. German, I, I always play with German now. Actually, when, last week when we talked about expansions, I think actually German railroads is should have been up there in the discussion because. Um, to me, it it fixes some of the issues in the base game of Russian railroads. I wouldn't even say it's an issue. It's really you know the Russian railroads is very strong, but like I always find that like I I'll try to do one of the the smaller tracks, and I always am like brought back to getting out that that big giant like white yeah, piece, yeah. you know, like on the big one. It's it's hard to like it's hard to deny that, and I'm sure there are people like Alfred who've played it a million times to say actually there are it's not a dominant strategy. You can do this and that, and for me, it's not even about dominant strategy. It's more about. Um, giving me incentives to try something new. Because sure. if I don't have those incentives, I sort of go back to, to rote. What, to rote. Exactly. Yeah. But German changes it up. And hearing that about Asian railroads, um, I, I, I can't, I actually don't totally understand what you're saying, but I get enough of it that I sent like the idea of some sort of communal track, mm-hmm. yeah. just that concept. I'm like, Ooh, that, that may be enough. That's enough to get me excited to try yeah. that out. It's also a chance. And I think this, this does go to that discussion about expansions last week is that each one of these expansions gives you a chance to essentially rebalance the game. Yeah. Yeah. And you were exploring that Paul 
in that like when we have played Russian railroads before, I think we felt like the nine train was like pretty okay. very uh, seemed very very strong yeah. in the base game. Like this was the right choice almost every single time to grab the nine train, and it was not. And it was not <laughs> good. Good. I love. I love. Actually, well, I was the first to one that. to get that bonus, and yeah. I passed on sure. it because I was going a certain direct w- yeah. way. And then you, I think you were second, and you took it. And I just didn't see the benefit of it mm-hmm. the way this game sure. set mm-hmm. up. So it's a different puzzle, and like that's enough. Like yeah. having, like if I if I play Asian Railroads two or three times, and I played German a couple of times in America, that's enough. Like yeah. as far as I'm concerned. To enjoy them, and each one of them is going to be different. And new In enough. Judaism, we just say "dayenu." That would be enough. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. That's on Board Game Arena, by yep. the way. That you can play it. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing that's on Board Game Arena that I played that I'm really excited about. I'm actually very excited about a lot of different games I've played this week. But there's a game called Art Deco, which is now on Board Game Arena. It was originally called Promenade. Um, and I think it's been, I don't know if it's acquired or licensed or whatever by Rio Grande games and they've changed it to Art Deco. And I've been keeping my eye on this one for a while because the the few people who've been able to play it in in real life when it was Promenade have said great things about it. Um, Paul, I know you're not a big deck builder person. I am not. I think you might actually like this. And the reason why is, um... It's different from other deck builders I've played in that normally when you have a deck, I should say it's a deck building game that takes place in the world of art. And it's sort of a, it's like a, it almost feels like a cousin to modern art in that you're acquiring art. And as you acquire art, the art, the value of the art goes up. And so you want to have the most valuable art, but you can also exhibit the art in a museum. And when you exhibit the art in a museum, you get lots of points, but you're also kind of like getting rid of your valuable art. So it's leaving your hand. Um, where I think that, Paul, you will like it, and one of the things that I think is really cool about it, because I got to play a game, one game of it, is that in a normal deck builder, the cards you get all have like a um, a static power and ability, more or less, right? Like, mm-hmm. you play this card, it's, it lets you draw something. It, it has this 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 much money on it to buy other cards, yada, yada. And you're just you just keep on building and building and building. But with uh, Art Deco, the value of the cards increases based on what other people are buying. So, and there's like a chart. So, like, there's like different genres of art, like Art Deco and Impressionism. These are your types of cards. And so, every time someone buys an Impressionist card, which is basically an Impressionist mm-hmm. painting, right. from there's like a few galleries. From there's the crappy gallery, there's the great gallery. If you buy it from the crappy gallery, the value of Impressionism goes up a little bit. And maybe if you buy it from the good, good gallery, it's going to go up even more. And like a- after every sort of like 10 notches on the chart, now all of a sudden that Art Nouveau painting that you had or the Impressionism painting, which was worth like one money to buy other cards, now it's worth two money. And now all of a sudden it's worth three money, then four. So even though it's deck building, Paul, I think you would like it because it's uh, like the decks evolve based on how other people are playing sure. and i'm a big interactivity person so yeah uh, I, I i'll give it a try and i'll say no thank you <laughs> but but no, no it, it sounds it sounds interesting like i always yeah. like playing uh deck builders to learn them like i just found that for me like you know uh i think what it is is like like a deck builder is basically you're playing the probability curve that you correct create right like yeah. you know you have you have your, your the cards that you take and uh and then depending on how you shuffle and you know destiny or whatever it's 
but it's gonna fall in that curve. Yeah. And I'm always the person who tries to to play on the because I'm a gambler. Like you mm. know, I, I try out. So I'm creating my own curve, and yet, like you know, it's that might be a bad idea. But you know, yeah. I'm. I, but I always like watching or playing a game uh, for seeing what they're trying to do. Yeah. And I think I think what you're describing is really interesting to have like basically your deck evolve outside of you. So you're trying to yes. You're trying to. Uh, predict a little bit uh from your uh yeah the decision space in the game was surprisingly rich like i think it's one that we should keep an eye on i can see it being a review down the line because um it's more than just like oh it's cool that like since you bought art nouveau and you bought art nouveau now my art nouveau which was what worth one now it's worth three like that's cool but there are there are lots of other decisions like which gallery you buy it from it's like if i buy if there's if there are two art nouveaus available one in the crappy uh, gallery and one and the really good one and I buy it from the really good one to make my Art Nouveau's go up hugely in value, I've now left an Art Nouveau in the cheap, cheap gallery, <laughs> the yeah. gallery that's now worth a lot more for you guys. Yeah. So like that's just one of sure, the sure. interesting decisions I found in the game. So um, I definitely want to get a game on BGA going. I, I actually pre-ordered it. I think it actually technically came out like two days ago. Oh, well, so hopefully my, my BGG, physical copy... It's here as a 2019 game because it was originally something called Promenade that came oh, out right? limited, okay. a limited release, like a Kickstarter. But I think that it was supposed to be released to the public on the 29th. You know, board games always have this kind of, they're not like mm-hmm. movies. You never really know when they're coming sure, out. Sure, like they don't ever, yeah. it seems like they never really have a release date, you know? This game is from Tate Wu, who yeah. is an LA designer. Is he? So he's a friend and part of. You know the, him? Yeah, absolutely. He's part of the LA Playtesters group that now meets at geeky teasing games in in burbank well we should like while we get like a game together with him he can show us his game i mean it's i mean he will have another game he's always working on new games he's well let's get very prolific let's get an art deco night i'm uh, not that now no pressure but now it's on the record (laughs) it can be edited Um, uh, Paul, any, uh, I mean, I, there's still some like games I want to talk about, but you, I want to, I want to spread the love. What about uh, oh, you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Avalon we played, uh, that on, was fun. On, it was fun. Like it was a very, uh, bread and butter game for me. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have very little effect, although I was involved a lot, you know, yeah. as far as like a, a person going like, Oh, Paul's good. Paul's bad. You know? Mm. And I was on uh, several teams. Like yeah. I, I made no meaningful choices, but it was very interesting just to be like, Oh, why are you thinking this of me? You know, like, so that, that, that in itself was very fun for me. Uh, yeah. Uh, I played on Tuesday, uh, Doom Imperium. Uh, so like at, uh, uh, Game Brain Con, is that what you're calling it? Game Brain Con? Game, game, game yeah. Con? Brain, Brain Con? Con? Brain, Brain Con. Con. Uh, like, uh, I was supposed to play a game of Doom Imperium with Mike Kanak, friend of the podcast. Yep. Uh, and, uh, we didn't. So I gave him a virtual token of like, you can cash this at any time to play uh, Doom Imperium. And on Tuesday, he was there. And he decided to to cash it. Got to ride the dune wave. That's right. That's right. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And uh, and basically, uh, it was me, uh, Dimitri, and Mike. And Dimitri just kind of steamrolled us. I think he just wow. he he started like Mike took an early lead, but uh, Dimitri uh, created. I don't even know what I call it engine, but somehow he just kept on. Like, you know, little engine that could just kept on moving up the track and he was unstoppable. 
as he often is in life as he in life you know yeah. in meta life in in all <laughs> things uh dimitri like uh unstoppable force like like, like it, yeah and uh no one was in move. we all got moved out of that so anyway so that that was that was his game uh tuesday it was it was fun yeah How about you ben um the other games i played well i got to play teach speaking of dimitri i got to play teach you when i was in new york actually for a week so i got i taught my friends teach you mm-hmm. we played a few rounds of it they liked it we just ran out of time uh i also we also played a game called belrati which uh, i'm only mentioning this because um it needs to get some sort of distributor or whatever here in the u.s or anywhere in the world you actually can't find it like it was a, it was a game i learned about from game night on board game geek uh you know their their show mm-hmm and it's sort of of that genre of um, picture association, like Dixit or Mysterium. It's just kind of like the simplest version of all those games. And I actually think it's the best version of all those games. And I've, everyone always has a blast playing it. It's so simple. It comes in one of the, like a Tichu size box. And it was going to be released as a game called Stuff. There re- it was another <laughs> it was a terrible name. It was an, It's another game that takes place in the world of art. And uh, they rena- they tried to re-theme it as some sort of garage sale game, but that listing is gone. So I don't know if that has been abandoned, but uh, I'm just saying this right now because if there's any publishers out there, please pick up this game because the world needs to play this game. It's so fun. And then the other thing is I'm just... Um, I'm in the midst right now of a game of 1822 with my friends, Judy and Matt. Uh, they're my sort of like casual 18xx because, game players. Because that's the thing. You can, <laughs> uh, you can play 18xx casually. I'm telling you, you can do it. And we're playing um, the Northern. There's actually some scenarios. It's called like the Northern scenario, whatever, where it basically just is like from Scotland down to like Birmingham. Sure. And uh, I, it's, I'm doing terribly. It's a brutal. Um, I've been brutalized by myself and uh, I'm having the best time. That says something about you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does say something. Any other games? You got any other games you guys played? Anything you all want to mention before we move on? No. You yeah. Played, uh, you played no. Dune again, right? You, you got another Dune in there. Come on. Well, Trey. we've got Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy. That's going to be our review next week with uh, Dimitri and Candice. So we're we're gearing up for that, which is a four player max reimplementation of the classic Dune board game. So other than theme has almost nothing to do with Dune Imperium. Okay. Has a lot to do with the old Peter Alatka. Dune classic that we always played as a six-player game, sure. yeah. and and it was one of those games that could be over at round three, could be over at round nine, and had six different factions. And now they've streamlined it with the you know with the release of the movie down to four factions and four f- factions only plays over maximum of five rounds. And so we'll have a review for that next week. Okay, cool. cool. I mean, you know, Dune. I feel like it, like there are certain games in Game Brain that like. You know, I, I'm not I'm Le- not from the original status. group, but like, yeah, the Dune, Fresh Fish, uh, Demacher, Tribune. Like, I feel like these are the games that are like sort of like perennial, like classics that are you know like DNA. revered, revered. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good group, good right? list. Yeah. yeah, Indonesia maybe. Sure. Oh, I kind of want to play Indonesia so badly. Okay, let's move on to the game news. Um. Not a huge amount of news that I found, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, and that's okay, Ben. And that's okay, but I, but uh, there are two things that I thought were noteworthy, and then you you there was one thing that you wanted to talk about. Uh, we just talked about Board Game Arena for Art Deco, Mercado de, de Lisboa or de Lisboa. Uh, I just noticed is now in beta. 
And that's a Vital Lacerda game. Yeah, I still haven't played that. I so haven't either. I, and so I'm excited I. that that's available. So for people who are Lacerda fans, that game is, uh, I think it's sort of like, ba- it's based off of a certain part of the Lisboa game and sort of like extracted out of there and made into like a 45 minute uh, game that I think has been warmly received. I think people have enjoyed it. So uh, definitely people should check that out. So it's in the Lisboa universe, like a side quest or something? That's in the Lisboa extended universe, as opposed to the Russian Railroads (laughs) one. Um, And then speaking of Dune, uh, I also saw that you can play Dune online for free. You go to, it's a, I haven't checked it out because I haven't played Dune Mm -hmm. and I haven't seen Dune or read Dune. I'm not really connected to Dune. I'm trying to. I I got the book. I'm going to read it. If you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. I, I miss the Dune, the Dune ship. But, uh, but I know that since Dune is really exciting for everyone, there's a website called treachery.online uh, that where you can apparently play it for free. I don't know if it's, I don't know how good the implementation is. I don't know if it's like when you go to like play Food Chain Magnate online, that's like that really uh, terrible. I glanced at it. It looks, you know, Dune, gets the job done. Dune-ish, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the game. Yeah. Dune-ish. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice sort of uh, maybe a mediocre reception from us. Not, I don't know. The, the artwork is, I feel like it's either this current version or the version before it. I, I, I only glanced it, so I didn't really, yeah. There was, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, it's kind of like putting Avalon online. Yes, mechanically, yes, you can put Avalon online, but is that how you actually want to play it? I mean, Dune is so... Yeah. Based upon the you know, do, actual do you have it up right there. I'm hearing music. Is, is it that on? is that what it actually is? Yeah, it's the Dune music is coming through on my computer. Oh, I was gonna say, I heard no. like a, I thought like an ice I'm cream truck around was coming. like whose device is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's me. I was going like, oh, is that Ben's doorbell? An ice cream truck? Is there an ice cream really, truck? That is by the way, is there <laughs> also the Dune ice cream truck? Why Shia <laughs> Is that is a part? Here. I know there are sandworms, but is there also ice cream? Surprise! Dune has these ice cream trucks because they're in the desert. I mean, listen, you gotta serve them up. Yeah. You would kill with it, that business. It's like it's a spice ice cream. Spice, spice <laughs> the ice cream. cream concession, as issued by the land. That's right. The exactly. Benny Jesuit, Benny and Jez, Benny and Jerry's, <laughs> Benny Jerry's. I know that much. I played, I played Dune and Brewery Benny once, so I know Benny Jesuit, Benny Jerry's. Um, okay. Rocky Road, Sandy. Okay, never mind. I, I'm still hearing this. It's, it's adorable. <laughs> I never knew Dune could be so adorable. Okay, we're selling, we're selling this hard here. I, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm turning off the music. Sorry. My experience is that if there's a board game you really want to play and your only ability is to play it ah, online, right. sometimes, even if it's a bad implementation, whatever gets it done. And that's like during the, the height of the pandemic, playing sure. Food Chain Magnate with that horrific implementation that's online, it's like, hey gets the job done sure sure you know what i'm saying uh all right so the final bit of news which is i personally wanted to pimp um a new game on kickstarter called monumental consequence this is not a board game this is actually like a, a little mini lerp that came out of the reacting to the past community which i've talked about before on the podcast this is a group that does historical simulations at the university level. And this uh, monumental consequence started out as a game called Bomb the Church. They've retitled it, they put it on Kickstarter, but it's essentially like, it's a game that teaches you how to do reacting in a like a one hour scenario. And that's now on Kickstarter. It's from Mary Beth Looney and the publisher is the Central Michigan University Press, which is my friend Jonathan Truitt, who is doing game publishing now for like academic and historical subjects out of Central Michigan. 
go to the Kickstarter, check it out. You can get the PDF, I think, for like $15, $10, $15, that type of thing. That's Monumental Consequence. The link will be in the show notes. Fantastic. Everyone go check that out and support this project. And with that, let's do some games on the brain, guys. Oh, let's hear some great, great classic games on the brain. Spooky, spooky games on the brain music. Ready? <laughs> games. Woo! Games on the brain. Oh, my God. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh, baby. That was, that was our Thank Halloween you, edition. Thank you. Someone, someone was murdered at the end. <laughs> our souls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> games in the brain. Uh, here's what's on my brain. Is this, is this not courteous of me for me just to start this on? Um, I'm going to start it. I'm yeah, going to start you, it. Do, you do Share it. podcast. You, that's right. You're the host. You're the host. Wow. Yes. So much power. If, I have if you guys want to vote Ben off the island, <laughs> press one. <laughs> uh, Iki. So we've talked about Iki before. Yeah, we played Iki. We played Iki. Uh, it's one I'm of, an Iki fan now. You, I, you converted me. We, the game Grinch is a convert. <laughs> that's right. And his heart grew three sizes bigger. <laughs> No, uh, I've mentioned Iki before as a hidden gem. I've said it's this game that I that I just absolutely love and adore. And I actually, I think I even talked about on the podcast how like it was like a top five game for me. And then I played it once, and someone was like, "eh," and then it kind of like receded a little bit, and I got sad about that. But now Iki, Iki's Iki back. is having its moment. Okay. Oh, there you go. wow. So Iki, we mentioned before on a, previously on Game Brand, we mentioned previously. that it was getting a re, a whole like facelift, a revamp by a publisher called Sorry We're French, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then um, so it's now it's sort of now coming out or is that Essen and Tom Vassell, the Dice Tower, gave a review and he raved, he raved, he he, he raved about all you know, it's a great game and and he raved. And uh, he loved the new edition. He loved how it looked, et cetera, et cetera. Iki wound up as number one for a few days on the Board Game Geek uh, hotness. Hotness list at Essen? Uh, just the hotness list in general. It was okay. number one. Yeah, yeah. And it made me so happy, you know, to have this, it, this little it's game. because of you. It's it because mean, of me. You, you can say Vassal, but, but it's you. If it weren't for me. If That's I hadn't right. written that, that review right. in 2016, That's right. who knows? I, I, do, I did write a review. But anyway, the point is this. Uh, it's really, I'm excited to play Iki more, but also I pre-ordered the new edition because I think it's one that we definitely, you know, I definitely would love to review it for this podcast because, you know, it's been the game that I've been championing for so long. So I got the new edition too, to see how the new, how it looks, et cetera. And like, is it, do you, if you have the old edition, do you have to go the new one, et cetera, et cetera. So it'd be good to do a review of it once the new edition comes out. Cause the old one, if I remember is almost impossible to get yeah, I, your hands on, right? Yeah, you, I think you can you can get it, I think, on the geek market. And people may be selling it because... But now that it's on the hotness, can they? I mean, so this is the interesting thing, right? Because the old one has this very charming sort of traditional Japanese art, which I love, you know? Um, the new one has art that actually, it almost looks like, I would not be surprised if it's the, it's the same artist as uh, Gugong, that mm-hmm. kind of style, which is actually also very lovely art. Um, but it's not that traditional Japanese art, which for some people, that's actually a deal breaker. Um, but the new version has some balance tweaks and a, a little bit, they've changed some of the functionality. And the question is whether or not the new stuff, the little stuff is 
is worth it. I have to kind of like, there's the rarity of the original edition that I have. That's also special. I don't want to have two editions. So I'm going to have to cross that bridge when I come to it. Right. And the new edition, right. It's not like a new edition is necessarily better. Like, yeah, we saw that last year where frankly, like the, the Tribune re-release like is a worse game. I think it's where we came down. I certainly felt that way. So it's not necessarily that they'll get this stuff right. So it'll be a fresh review. This is like the moment where I have to decide, am I a board game fan or am I a collector? Because it's like, I I mean, I could just have both. And then if I have both, then I'm like, oh, this is the one I play and this is the one I have for, because I'm a collector now. So we're going to see really where I land on that. I'm I'm at the edge of my seat. If we had I can tell. I can tell. What if we had a Patreon and we could buy a copy of the new game for Ben? So that it's not a collector decision; it's for the review. Oh wow! If well, I figure. Oh, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'm, 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 I appreciate that, but I'm going to take the financial hit, and then uh, we'll see. Because someone might get it as a gift, so who knows? <laughs> Congratulations! We'll uh, you know, here's here's a donation to the game uh, closet. <laughs> the game <laughs> closet to, to myself. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I'm giving it as a gift. To myself, <laughs> which is how I justify everything. What's going on with you, Trey? What's on your on your brain? The the one little thing that was on my brain this week is I had a, a moment when I, frankly, kind of realized I didn't like Concordia as much as I used to. Like mm. the the iOS version of Concordia has allowed me to play the game against AI multiple times now, and when you play it against a computer opponent, like the game actually. Is Fast. Feels fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you can sit down and play a game in under fifteen minutes, and so like my sample size of playing the game has gotten much larger. Now I still ad- adore it, but it's also made me realize some things like how much the first turn matters. Mm-hmm. So much of the game is about the first turn, and sometimes you just do get jobbed by your initial setup in terms of like where you are in the turn order. Mm. I still think it's, it's an excellent game, but it it is one of those games I've, you know, as the game Grinch, Mm. I have kind of, (laughs) I have been negative (laughs) on, on games that kind of like force the most difficult decisions as your first decisions when you may not even understand things well. This is yeah. kind of like my core complaint about 18xx games. It's like, here's a whole bunch of really difficult auction decisions to make on private private companies. Yeah. And, and I have no idea how to price these things, but you have to do it anyway. And they'll say it's not that important, but it's important. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's actually really, really important. So there's no like learning on the job. Um, and just Concordia, there's, I've played a number of games now where I can, I feel much more secure in saying after the first two turns, it's over. I can see where this arc mm-hmm. is going to go. It's not 100%, 100%. Sure. Of where it's gonna go, sure, 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 sure. That gets an official sure, sure from Paul. But I, but I am super conscious of how much that initial first turn matters, and so that makes the game a little less interesting. Mm. And 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 that the your later turns may be. But how does it how does it matter that hard? I mean, obviously it matters because it's there's certain things you have that you know first turns always matter for the most part, but like. I never really thought of it as being like a death knell if you if you if you mess it up. Like what? How how has it how has it been so brutal for you? Well, I th- I think the AIs are are good enough on the machine that it's unforgiving. It's, mm. not, it's not like the AIs are are perfect or, or fantastic, but I think some of the like idea that you may have 
I'm guess I don't know about how flexible your opening turn can be. Yeah, um, is not actually borne out by more competitive play. Mm. I think we would in our world of wonderful player agency, you know, starting out playing almost any of the cards in our in our deck would be viable in a well balanced game, and that's really not the case. You, the, the AI is kind of like a shark, and is that what you're the saying? The AI and has so kind of proven to... that yes, you need to be architecting on your first round, and in fact, like <clears throat> on the first person who goes has to use an architect, and then everyone else diplomats that so that you can get in the second uh, architect and in your first pass. And you try doing a senator for your first. Well, you, if you take a, if you go and buy two cards with your first action, generally you've starved your resources. I'm losing my voice. Yeah, it's, it's an emotional topic. When you break up with Concordia, <laughs> well, I mean, this was this was your number one wow. game, right? I mean, it's my number one game too. That's why I'm trying to like. It's kind probably of like, not my number one game anymore. No, I'm, I'm confident it's not my number one game. Anymore. Wow. I still think it's good, and I think that, that the in-player experience. But I also look at in-player games of Concordia. I've played that sometimes have gone four or five hours, and uh, with new players, and um, like, what are we actually doing? Because I know it can play in fifteen. Now and some of it is 15 just fifteen hours, fifteen minutes. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that, Ben. New tone here at Game Ray. New host, new tone. And if ben you'd like to vote, Ben, off the <laughs> right. Still waiting for the Amazon delivery to interrupt. Anyway, so this is you know Game Grinch ringing in, running down my number one game. No, I mean, time. listen, it's. Uh, I mean, that's that's sort of what I was saying with Iki. It sucks when you when when there's a game that you just love, and then you have that moment where you realize you don't love it quite as much as you used to. It's, it is hard. I mean, Concordia is my number one, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I feel like you're the number one game you should want to play any time, any moment, any day of the year. And I don't actually always feel that way about Concordia because I think I've gotten to play it so much. And I feel that I feel actually like with 18xx, the genre, it's a cheat. I feel like that might be like my number one, but it's a whole genre. So it's sort of weird to sure, say. Sure. Like as a person who's never loved Concordia, I go like, huh. about time you got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Paul, do you have anything on your game brain? Uh, sure. Like, uh, I've been, you know, to everyone's dismay on our group, I've, I've been like, you know, Trey has been uh, thinking about design games. Candice has been designing Candace a game. Candice is designing yeah. a game. Uh, and so, like, I go like, well, maybe I should get on board this. So I've, I'm thinking of a, I'm trying to design a game that's more like a, a Love Letters-esque mm. uh, game, like a filler type thing. Yeah. But instead of like, you know regality is that regalness regality is that is that word is that nobility nobility sure uh we will use like members from uh the game game uh that's good it's very meta uh so uh, that'll be really appealing to a mass audience I, thank you thank you uh so <laughs> i'm, I'm hope, hopefully i'm speaking to the, that audience uh so right now like i feel like all the powers the people would have like uh their catchphrases mm. for example i've been told that i like i say sure sure a lot yeah and, and i've been shamed on that and i'm going to keep on doing celebrated that. not shamed uh, celebrated exactly and so uh, for any you know loyal listeners over the past year or two years uh if you can name like i guess verbal quirks that uh that the game brain hosts have like had like you know uh apparently uh tom has a hundred percent hundred percent hundred percent hundred percent so if, if you guys uh, uh, in you know in the Discord or the uh, in the Facebook, just let, let us know what we continually <laughs> and say. they'll get and they'll get credit in your game notes. Sure, sure, I love it. <laughs> sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Oh no, it's auto. Sure, sure. I think you're 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 introducing the sure, sure thing as a way of just getting away from your your trademarked air horn sound oh, effect, it, which it, is what you were really unfortunately yeah. known for. Uh, I, I I agree. I agree. 
Oh, that's a new. That's oh, a, oh, that's a nice trying to change nice variation. <laughs> that was lovely. That was I think lovely. You're I think Shur Shur has a nice brevity to it. I don't yeah. think you have to do. I you, re, you double the length of it. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, or no. not mm. quite double. So but. anyway, if anyone wants to uh, chime in, uh, please do so. <laughs> tell I, us how we're terrible. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, tell us how we're terrible. Yeah. Tell us how we're terrible. Um, yeah, the, well, I'll keep us updated on that. And, you know, we were talking uh, at dinner a few weeks ago about an idea for a game that uh, that I should get back to. It was sort of like about kind of approaching Hollywood as a board game. And I think that could be, like, n- not just like, like, it's like almost like the business of Hollywood, yep. you know? So maybe I'll get back into that one as the well. The studio like, game. The studio game, like, you know? Or we could have like this, like, uh, Thunderdome style, like, all the game brainers come up with a game, yeah, and then we pitch them, and, and we'll see what the our, our viewer base, uh, our listener base thinks. Yeah. yeah so. By the way, Candace's prototype is excellent. Yeah, like it's just it's like I had such a fun time playing it. I, I rarely, I rarely say that. She, she finally <laughs> invited me to play it. Like you know, uh, after oh. after everyone else has played it, they go like, oh, Paul, I'll, I'll, you know, would you like to play? It? Like, okay. I wonder why she would be hesitant about that game breaker. <laughs> yeah. I know. Actually, I think you'd be a very good person to try to, a game out because you always yeah. are looking yeah. for vul- uh, oh. vulnerabilities. You'll uh, be able to break it. Okay. I'm confident. You'll, great, great, great. you'll be able to. Yeah, he's able to break so many things. Spirits. Hearts. Hearts. No. <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between, right? Um, wow. I think it's time for our review, guys. Oh, is that what we're doing today? There is actually let's a review. Let's review a board game wait, wait, on our let board me, game podcast. Let's, let us review the board game. That's oh. that nice shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> do we need a theme song? We do for... need a theme song, but um, games, the game... games on review. <laughs> games on. I think we can do better. Okay, on... that one's played. That's one played. Fair, fair. Sleep we don't one. need another review. Ooh, not bad. Because you bad. just said Thunderdome. Yeah, hundred percent. But that's actually we. That actually is sort of undermining our mission here. <laughs> if if we are if we're saying welcome to the review and we say we don't need another review, <laughs> two games walk in, one game walks out. That's not called yes and you know that's uh, no but yeah okay so we are today okay now here comes the review okay uh, today we are reviewing Magnate the First City which is published by Naylor Games uh, designed by James Naylor art by James Naylor and uh, I will. I think I'll we'll probably butcher this. C-Z-E, Lee, maybe? C-Z-E is the first name. C-Z-E, last name is Lee. Okay. So what is Magnate, the first city? Uh, it's, it's, it's a city-building game. Okay? It's a city-building game for one to five players where uh, players are all property developers in the city of Humbleburg, which has recently scrapped all of its zoning laws, and <laughs> as a city want, is, is wont to do, you know? It would be good if they did, actually, but... Yeah, well, welcome to Los Angeles sometimes. So uh, this Humbleburg has scrapped all of its zoning laws and now has invited in private investment to help grow the city. And that's what we are doing. We are private investors. And basically, it's actually a very straightforward game. We are buying land. We are building buildings on that land. We are attracting tenants into those buildings. We are getting rent from those tenants. And then ultimately, we are selling those buildings because uh, while we are doing all these things, we are raising land values. And at the appropriate time, we are selling our buildings at a higher price to make huge profits. But while we are doing this, we are inviting risk into the market. So this is sort of a game about a property bubble, a real estate bubble. So land values in this game go up and up and up as we develop and build and attract tenants. 
and we are selling, selling, selling. And at a certain point, the bubble bursts and the market crashes. And we want to sell, we want to time all our selling, ideally, before the crash when the prices plummet and our portfolio is worth you crap. Know, having you uh, like, you know, just describe it because, you know, obviously that's what it is. I go like, oh, I wonder if this would trigger anyone who like, you know. Worked. It could. Yeah. Like, actually. Uh, uh, like you, you describe it like, oh, wow. Yeah. Someone, someone, a listener, someone, someone probably like. I didn't think about a, that. Yeah. Lost a mo- lot of money. <laughs> no. I mean, uh, I mean, look, I mean. 2008. Absolutely. 2008. At this point, it was 13 years ago, which is kind of crazy. But it is like there are people who are really devastated by that. Yeah, and sure. this is kind of like a game about that. But I think, you know, we'll get into it, but, you know, this is a game that I think on some levels is actually trying to make you think about that, the sort sure. of the, the, the corporate greed uh, that goes into real estate, et cetera. I think that there, there is some... No, yes, Trey? Yeah? I can't tell. Well, no, it is kind of a power fantasy of being a real estate developer. This is one of those games that falls in the mold of you have money and you, how do you win? You win by having the most money at the end. So like, yeah. it seems like that's not a genre of games, but that, that does make some games easy to understand, especially because you're, you're spending money to make more money. And, yeah. and so that's one of the really interesting things about this game is when do you kind of like hold on to your, uh, your assets and your investments, but when do you actually liquidate them so you can get into better ones? And that's kind of a, a key pivot point in the game is is like growth versus selling exactly yeah and i i think what's actually kind of cool about this game is that um describing it it's really easy like i actually just described the whole game it's literally you're buying land you're building it you're making you're 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 causing land values to go up because you're developing that land and then you're selling and that's literally all you do in this game um, on your turn, you have three. Well, yes, there's three I was going to say, gonna say so. the way that the actual the game. Well, actually, why don't you describe how the how does the flow of a round go? Like in terms of what kind of game this is, it's not worker placement. You have action selection to every single round. We're going to get three actions, and we're going to go around the table, taking one action at a time. And in fact, we're going to bid on turn order because turn order yeah. is really important because a lot of times you're snatching up new lots of land that become available yeah. every round. You're also kind of competing to grab tenants mm-hmm. and tenants in this case we're using are not just traditionally like residential tenants. These tenants could be things like convenience stores, different forms of retail, different forms of industry. Yeah. There's four different types of buildings in the game. And one of the neat things that happens in this game is that as you develop one sector, it actually creates opportunities for the others. I think this is a way which the game is really smart and interesting is that like real estate creates retail demand yes and retail can create residential demand and our resident some residential will create better like if you have high-tech residents you can it's easier for you to build good office space and fill it with businesses exactly and you're so you're trying to so basically every round starts that you bid for turn order after you bid for turn order if you have buildings uh you're trying to get tenants into your buildings because there's like sort of like a there's capacity there's like a there's like a market of not really a market but you can see which tenants want to come into the city and so there's well we'll get into how it all works uh when we talk we're going to break down all these different mechanisms or mechanics um but we but we are we have a phase where we get try to get tenants into our buildings and then after we've all gotten tenants into our buildings we take our three actions we go around the table three times and then after that it's kind of like a cleanup phase where we just check to see okay what are the now that we've invited all these people in now that we've built buildings how is our we, we move the land value up we check the risk to see if there if there's any more risk in the market has the bubble popped if not 
we do it all over again. It's a very simple round structure. Um, and, and that's really all it is on, uh, that you're doing. Uh, but you're right. It's not a worker placement. It's, it's city building. And if you've pl- ever played SimCity, you're immediately going to recognize a lot of these sort of these, these ideas in the game. There's a shared city board. Shared city. Thank you for placing our real, you know, both owning lots and then building buildings on them that we own. So we have markers that we put on these things to indicate our ownership of them. And I tend to like these games that have a common shared board in which yes. we're competing over certain things. And the buildings that other players build have a, have a huge effect on what I want to build, both in terms of competitive, but also like creating opportunities. And I think that's a way that this game very much succeeds. What did you... Uh, let's talk about how this game looks before we get into the gameplay. Let's talk about how it looks, the components, things like that. Paul, what did you think about like the the how this game looked? Well, uh, the you know the components, like what you, what you first notice is the buildings. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that they're... They're very colorful, like very saturated. Uh, like Lego almost. Preschool colors. Yeah. Preschool colors, yeah. 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 Very... Yeah, it's very bold. And it really plays... To what it is, it's it's the word I would use is delightful. Yeah, and I think it's really. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't say very many as things. real estate bubbles often are uh, delightful. As, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I'm you know until uh, uh, exactly, uh, and I, I feel like there's. I've been uh, what's the word I want to use? I've been cast. I, I presented myself as a person who doesn't really care about components mm-hmm. and how the look of a game and like and boy when people go like oh my god after. You know, uh, Agricola, I don't care if I win, but look at my little farm, blah, blah, blah. And I go, ugh. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you, you look at Magnate and you go, this is actually pretty cool. It looks like a city. It, it looks like a city. And I think city. it's indicative of our group that our pleasures aren't taking a six-foot miniature of Anubis and moving <laughs> it around a board. It's like, look at my delicious yellow industrial <laughs> land that I'm placing next it's to your totally residential true. area. But I think there's actually a huge amount of value in that, right? <laughs> because like that's actually something of this world that we recognize and we, and we see. And there's actually oh, there are a lot of city-building games out there and um, that don't necessarily look like cities. Some sure. of them are very abstract. Like uh, uh, Gingopolis, for example. Gingopolis is a perfect example because Gingopolis actually, with certain different components, mm-hmm. could actually look like a city that's rising up. Sure. But instead, it's just like pegs. And, and cardboard. Pegs and, yeah, and, and that's like a, a lost opportunity. And I'm with you. I'm not someone that, like, um, if, if there's bad art, as long as it's, if the art doesn't, detract if the art doesn't make it actually difficult to play but if there's just sort of like mediocre art it's not going to detract from the game for me but if there's good art it's going to sort of like bring me into the experience more and raise it and i think that um i don't care about miniatures i really don't i i often actually run the other direction this game is miniatures when we say that these are buildings they're like plastic they, miniatures they take a lot of space they take the it, box. it's a big, a big box, box. It, that's that's important to know because there's like a toy crane for the start player <laughs> it's a, it's a yeah. bulldozer, bulldozer yeah. which is really cute actually okay. yeah. it's i mean it's excessive but i can't tell you like how much fun i get by some rolling do, that bulldozer yeah. onto the board some people do think this game is ugly though uh, Jennifer doesn't like Jennifer it Jennifer thinks right? this game is ugly well it's, i don't think it's, it's, not it's that good it's pretty. looking it's not i just pretty. I think we don't care well, uh, and it does look like it does what it's supposed to do, which is it looks like a city. If you were walking past this and you looked at this, you'd say, "Oh, that's a city building game that looks like a city." Undeniable. Yeah. And and yes, and on, and by the way, another fun thing, 
it's it's not a pretty game. And in fact, you can make an argument because the, the basic tiles are these like cardboard tiles, which are actually surprisingly kind of flimsy. But I guess if yeah. you're if you're spending that money for those buildings, you got to cut, cut some costs somewhere. But um, you know, they have like they have like trees. They've got features on them. So when you look at it, it's like it's like terrain, you know, which mm-hmm. is cool. But the downside is that sometimes there's a lot of stuff that winds up going on the board, and things can get lost really easily in that. I've gotten used to it, but the first time mm-hmm. we played, sure, I was sure. like, "Where is that marker? Where is this marker?" Um, but uh, so, but I. I I don't think it's functional. I, th- I think it's, I, I like the art personally again. I, and there's some cuteness, like the wallets, like you get little Naga hide no, textured the, wallets. Uh, no, they were just like a full, they were cardboard wallets. They're but cardboard, they, but, but they're, they, I'm but saying they, they have style. a Naga hide texture that oh, is printed on yes, it. Yes, 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 yes. It's printed. Yes. But that's part of the bidding for turn order is you can put your bids with, cause you are using paper money inside mm-hmm. your little wallet and then you place it out on the table and then you yes. re- reveal. And that's actually, that's, Kind of the wallets cool. are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, when you when you put buildings onto the map, they come with little footprints that you don't really need to use, but it kind of the footprint. So basically, if you were going to put a, uh, a an mm-hmm. office building on like some terrain, the terrain is just like grass and some trees, and you put the footprint, and now there's like a little parking lot that you put it. So it just sort of looks more and more like a city and th- there is some functionality because if you run out of minis you can turn those footprints upside down and they like represent right. buildings mm-hmm. but um so that is nice and you know like what you said before if you were to walk by and see this you'd be like oh that's definitely a city building game but what's cool too is it's not just like oh there's buildings like you actually get the distinct impression of neighborhoods like districts districts yeah. it looks like an actual city. it looks like a city that developed the way a city developed you know which yeah. i think is really yeah. cool with and, the minis i'm a person who feels that the artwork is actually what it needs to be any less it diminishes but if it's any better it actually goes what in my opinion against the feel of the game which i'll talk about later but like i think mm-hmm. it's actually in its sweet spot yeah, and also uh, one other thing I, w- I want to say about those tiles, the, the the large tiles that ultimately the neighborhoods are built off of, is uh, they all have different names that I assume are like Kickstarter goals, but I love that. I love that the tiles have names because I played the game where we start, we kind of started LARPing the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. We started giving them nicknames. We started talking about like, oh, you're, you're in Halestown. Oh, well, Ridgeway is where it's at. And we come up, right. you, know, you can have like a, there's a lot of ways that components can like invite you into having Texture. fun. Yeah. yeah. And it does it well, I think mm-hmm. here. Yeah. It doesn't take much to kind of create narrative opportunities. Yeah. Like just naming a tile is enough. And then as the game progresses, those districts do have characters. They do. They do. I mean, the, the districts sort of have inherent character because, you know, one tile will have an airport on it. So that will not be a place that you'll probably want to build residential there. So that's going to, it's that district is sort of like slanted to have a more commercial or industrial character yeah. to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they, they do have that, you know, which is very cool. But one of the good things in the game is that, yes, it doesn't take much to like start pushing a district in a certain direction because it'll reward, for example, like early residential building. But then once those residences are there, then it becomes better for retail, becomes better for, for some other things so that like other players' actions are creating opportunities for you. Like To me, that feels like one of yeah. the, the core pleasures yeah. it, of the it game. It creates an ecosystem. Of yes, course. it does. Yeah, and that's, that's, I, I, it's great. It, it feels great because I don't think I've experienced that in a city build, building game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a board game. Well, let's. Why don't we move into the gameplay then? What's interesting about this game versus other city builders is that other city builders, 
you build buildings. And in fact, the designer, this next point I'm going to make, I noticed the designer mentioned this. He, he wrote like kind of like a press thing, like a five page thing. He put a lot of thought into this game actually. And what's interesting about this game is it's actually about the people, the, the tenants you move into the buildings. It's not just like these are buildings that exist here. Oh, I built a... We're developers. Um, we're, we, it's about who you get in and who you get in is going to impact what is going to develop around there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the crux of this game is buildings, buildings, and attracting tenants. And the reason why you mentioned the tenants earlier, the tenants themselves, uh, a lot of them have little bonuses on them. So uh, this is, by the way, asterisk. This is if you play the advanced game, which I recommend doing. The basic game, all the tenants are kind of like the same and they don't have bonuses, which I don't know why you'd play with that. So just ignore the basic game. Just do advanced game right out of the box. And so like the little bonuses that these tenants have is like, oh, you, uh, so you attracted a family into this house. This family now makes it easier because of its bonus. Now will make it easier to attract a family into a neighboring house. So, so basically, uh, to, to uh, reduce it, uh, the tenants basically add modifiers to the uh, surrounding uh, lots of land. Yes, and from that, like that, in pushes you in a direction of what kind of building to build there. So, like, yeah. uh, the tenants you bring will naturally and organically create this ecosystem that we talk about, where. We, we got this tenant, this tenant wants this thing. Someone is going to buy the next plot of land and build that thing, whatever that it, whether it be a retail or a office building. Yeah. And, and then that will have a cascade effect. And then, uh, and then, you know, it'll burst and like everyone will be sad. Yeah. And everyone will be sad. So the way, <laughs> the, <end. laughs> the way that we attract tenants in this game is kind of interesting. So first of all, we said before, there's kind of like this staging area where you see like, oh, there's about like, five or six uh, residents that are very moving to houses. And there's like four tenants that would be good for, that are ready for retail. And then there's like maybe uh, uh, an office, like someone's office tenant, right? There might be stuff like that. And of those categories, there's subcategories. So like residentials, like family, professional couple, and students. Students are the crappiest, (laughs) crappiest tenants. So they all have their own like sort of sub things. So you can, you might see, oh, hey, there's uh, like, there's like five students that want to come to the city, but, and one family. Um, so like you, you sort of can see what's coming and you want the family generally cause it has, they pay higher rent. Much so, higher, yeah. so the way that we attract them is you basically, you look at the building that you want to attract the, the tenants to, and every building has different capacities. So some can take like five tenants, some can only take one. And then you look at all these surrounding tenants in sort of the general area. I'm not going to bother to tell you what the parameters of that, but you sort of look in the general area. It's sort of like adjacency plus. And based on the population, that's how many you actually gather that many dice. You have a dice pool. There's yeah. a dice pool. And different buildings look for different populations. So like... Types of population. Different types, right? So retail is only concerned with what residents are nearby industrial cares about residents or other industrial things like that so you gather all these dice and then you roll them and then of the of the rolls you want certain specific pairs of dice combinations combinations yes combinations so like if you get like a five if you get two fives or a five and a six or something like that you might you're entitled to like a professional couple or something like that right and so this is how we get people into the house so when we talk about modifiers that's what we're talking about because you might start, you might have a bad role of like 
you know, two threes, but hey, there's a family nearby. So now all those threes all become fours and you're next to a park. Now those fours become fives. And guess what? You just attracted the family. Yep. Uh, yeah, you, generally this dice pool is like, it's going to be like a minimum of a rolling like six dice yeah, for things. Usually. And then we've had other games where like you get into the later rounds, you might be rolling 25 dice. It can, yeah. it can it really can, explode as far as... And, and so the, the chance, the uncertainty that's involved in rolling dice seems more critical early on. Yeah. But even though I'm kind of Game Grinch and dice You're not hater, a dice person, right? I'm not a dice person. Um, the game does address this by having, for example, marketing, where you can guarantee a certain number of... You can spend resources to guarantee a certain number of successes so that you're yeah. not just at the at the hands of the, the dice fate. And we'll kind of return to uncertainty in this game yes. later on. But this was not an area where the dice deeply offended me in the, in the way that scared. this works. I was scared. The first time I was like, I was scared to show this to you because I was like... Oh, there is a huge dice component in this game, but it actually, it's, it's very rare that you have like a full on bad roll where you're like, damn it. You know, I mean, you'll, and especially cause later on you're rolling so many dice and there's so many modifiers, you're almost always going to get something. And the question is, are you going to get what you want or right. something that's like not quite as good? Um, I did have a, I did whiff, um, and you whiffed too, Paul. I, I, I super many times uh, on Friday. I whiffed on on Friday. I had I built so we had this uh, a crappy neighborhood. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was an airport or some yeah it was an airport right it was yeah. a municipal airport and then you'd built some sad office building that you put a call center into yes <laughs> and then I for some reason decided to buy the land next there was no no incentive for me to buy that land there was no modifiers there was nothing and for some reason i bought that land and i put in this one crappy house and then you built for some reason you decided to build a mega mall next to the house and yeah. so we had this strange neighborhood that was not there was no benefits in that neighborhood suffice it to say i did not win <laughs> <laughs> and i i was like okay well i've got this one house and i was able to pull all these dice and i got like all ones and twos. I couldn't get even a student into that house. And, uh, but that was actually a funny moment, right? It was like, it was funny because even a student wouldn't want to live there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. next to your mall that we decided was full of, full of kiosks and like, um, like, like, you know, spent ho- a spirit of Halloween. Exactly. You know? There you there go. And an empty call center <laughs> <laughs> and a, a call center that had already been sold off. That's right. Uh, so, um, you know, so, you can whiff for sure, but I, I found that more like I would say you actually almost always hit in this game when it comes to rolling those dice. I felt like the designer addressed it enough where like this isn't a dice chucker where you're playing Warhammer and you're yeah. rolling a bunch of dice and ah, yes, crit. Um, yes. Like, it's not exactly that. I felt like it gave me the tools so that I wasn't going to get it all in a twist about the dice and i tended to like maybe i overspent a little bit on marketing just to assure that i okay by spending two marketing tokens i know i'm going to get at least the base level tenant that i need here and if i roll well i'll get the best the best one and that happened a few times where it's kind Mm -hmm. of like i'm guaranteeing an acceptable result and then there's a strong possibility of an exceptional result and that's you know, and, and sometimes that happened. And mm-hmm. so that was fine. Yeah, and yeah. I think that also the dice are interesting because thematically it kind of makes sense, right? Like, it's like, look, there are all these people that live in this neighborhood. There's a pretty good chance that you're like, you know, like you, like this is, you're probably going to attract, uh, there's, you have all these stores, you're probably going to attract some people to live here, right? But not a hundred percent. But it's not a hundred percent like the real estate market itself, right? Cause like it may 
but if there's not a lot of other people there, people may not want to move there. So like it, it kind of the way, the fact that you draw as many dice, it's based on population, like other people, I thought it made sense to me. And then the fact that like the, the rate of your success goes up based on community factors, it also made sense. So I, I liked how thematically that worked with the dice. I could see though. I mean, like we could have a separate discussion at some point once we know the game better to say like, were the dice really necessary? Yeah. Like this could just be a point system. For example, we do bid on turn order mm -hmm. so that, you know, when you bid and win first player, oh, I've got enough points to snatch up that family for my, for my house. So like, you're not stuck with did all I really students. like what, what was the value of making this, of injecting into uncertainty and put doing all of these dice rather than making it more deterministic. And I don't, I don't have a strong answer for that, but I could mm -hmm. certainly see like that would have been a way to go. It would have been yeah. a different game. I mean, I think that thematically, I bet an argument could be made that that this game is is sort of based on on speculation, the mm. whole idea of speculation. Like that's and that's real estate and real estate bubbles are based on that too. And I think that like there are a lot of times where this game plays with the idea of speculation. And so in my mind, the dice. I'm fine with the dice because also, by the way, there's something very satisfying about having a hand of 20 dice that you're just like shuffling and all these dice are bouncing around and then you let them just sort of like cascade out. That is I like a visceral feeling. I understand that that is feeling. a pleasure for some people. For some people. Some people who, are, who have <laughs> and one heart. Heart. I have observed that and I can confirm that some people experience fun yes. when doing that. You don't have fun doing it. I think when I was playing Grand Austria Hotel Last Waltz on Tuesday, I never actually touched the dice. Wow. Other than to take them from my action. I just had Matt roll them. Okay. <laughs> Did you like the dice, Paul? Uh, I thought it was fine. I, it's not a plus or minus. I do feel like when you're dealing with the theme of speculation, you need some randomness. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the... See, to me, you guys are all the uncertainty I need. Oh, oh, I don't know if that that burn or is that a, a that's, love. That's, no, that's I I I will take player it. decisions is the is the unknown oh, for me. There, there we go. But yeah. but but you know, I think I'm a person who always because I'm you know a gambler at heart. I always, <laughs> uh, I'm always a person who feels that uh, you need to embrace the possibility of the whiff. Yeah, because I think that is actually what really gives me the thrill which you know probably says more about me than anything mm -hmm. <laughs> but but you know that possibility like when i whiffed uh, on friday it was not a pleasant objective moment but in the meta part of my brain you're like ah. it was great for me <laughs> ah, it was I great for me i deserved that that's right like oh because human. yeah well because well, you and tom had both built mega malls and oh and, no no that that was him uh that was that was a bidding oh that was sorry that was a bidding like with. it's for you actually because the industrial because i i wanted to get a chemical plant and <laughs> as one does as one does <laughs> uh and i didn't get the correct uh role and i wound up giving a warehouse which helped you yes uh and i was like oh, this is not gonna give me as much rent and i'm helping ben yes and so and that is those are not pleasurable things for paul uh, no no like not it, ever <laughs> and actually, and just sort of segue on to the like the the tenants themselves. I mean, it's in, the decisions around which tenants to take at what time are interesting too, because you normally would think you're going to go with a tenant that has gives you the highest rent, because all the tenants, yeah. they're basically these little cardboard mm -hmm. things. And I, we should have mentioned with the components that this game 
is fiddly in the sense that like you have all these tenants and they're kind of big. There's information on them that's important so they can't be tiny and they, they're big and you put them on these things and things just sort of like stack up on, on the city. Like your a city, city your like, city gets messy. Your city gets messy like a real city, but there's like kind of like cardboard shirts sure. everywhere. And when you got to like figure out your rent, you got to pick them all up and look at them. And I wish there were a more elegant solution for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it would be, but you know, it's fine. But, um, but that being said, when you're choosing your tenants and everything, it's like, oh gosh, I want this family because they give me more rent than the professional couple. But if I put this family down and I know that like David is going after me, gosh, I'm going to give him, make it easier for him to get a family. Or in, or his lot is going to be worth more. His have, lot will be worth more. Yeah. And when he sells, right. Exactly. So, yeah. so it's, 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 I really like that. You know, like, yeah. you know, I, I think that's the crux of the game. For me, where like you're playing against the other players, trying to maximize your your land worth and not help the other mm-hmm. person, but you can't but do that. You you know like so it, it's it's watching a city evolve in this way. I, I think it's really fun for me, which yeah. is something I don't normally like to do. As far as like oh look at look at the ecosystem being generated, I, I don't normally care about that, but it's, like but the visual of it, uh, I feel like you might. That's the kind of thing that it's, Paul. You have you know, a like, heart. <laughs> like you, you. I'm just saying. Like you're somebody who explores the space. It's oh, like the idea of a game that has an ecosystem. That's you know the the actions of one player is going to you know both not just inform the actions of others, but actually like have mechanical oh, effects. I, I yes. love that. Yeah. Well, that's, well, I'm saying like you know the narrative of like oh here is this ecosystem being like you know and we're making the city. I go, Usually I don't really care about that. In this particular case, I go like oh this is actually really dovetailing into the experience I'm having mm-hmm. with everyone else. So like uh, this is. It makes sense. It makes sense that like where there's two strip malls that all of a sudden houses are popping up mm-hmm. or vice versa. It makes sense. Oh, there's an office there and now there's another office. Mm-hmm. Like the, the evolution of the game state. Remember, Trey, we did our, our board position podcast. This game, it's I don't think of it as like position, but like the board state here, it makes sense. And it has a functionality in a way that was when we we're talking about FAM, FIAM, FAM in a way that I, we wanted fam to give us. That's right. And, and, and didn't, and didn't. And, mm-hmm. and this one, it's like everything grows because of those tenants, mm-hmm. because you chose that tenant or that's what you had mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it has like, everything is very dynamic in this game, which could probably lead to mm-hmm. some fragility too, but it's very dynamic. I think of like suburbia. Suburbia is often considered the top city building game. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but suburbia is kind of like you build things because there's like fun bonuses and then you're kind of making a patchwork of, of chaos. And that's the fun part because at the end you look at your high school that's it's next to you. It's all just scoring combinations yeah. though. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, and so it's like it's funny and there's if you look closely at suburbia, there actually are roads. It does create a grid. And it's really funny to look back. And, it's, and suburbia is super fun. But this one is really like you're making your city because it's – what you're building usually is makes the most sense. There's usually you economically see, yeah. you yes. see yeah. uh, there's supply and demand, and you you're trying to follow that, and that's that's how you build out, and that goes uh, and that starts right with the land that you choose to buy. Mm-hmm. How did you find? How did you feel about the the land purchasing? And we're gonna by the way we we will get back to the tenants and the risk and all that stuff because that's gonna be a major part of the discussion. We're, we're not even there yet, but I want to talk about the. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I felt like for a moment it looked like we were about to discuss like the the other side of the tenants. Sure. But there is there is a there is something we have to talk about with the tenants, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. But well, like for me, uh, what I like when I look at the 
ecosystem that evolved and as the game breaker, I would never uh, build a building that does, is inappropriate for the uh, for the tile for, for the, the placement because it's so disadvantageous for right. me. And so, like in that way, like you know, it's really interesting to see. And I don't know if this was is is too much of a compliment, but like this, it really models to, as a non you know contractor like what it would be like to create a city. So I like that. There like, are desirable locations that we're yeah. going to compete for. And some of the skill is in mm. recognizing opportunity. Yeah. On like, some of it's obvious, but sometimes you're trying to look a few turns in advance. And I think kind of what you're saying is also like organically it happens, mm-hmm. but we'll look and like everybody's looking at like, oh, that space right there. Mm-hmm. That's clearly the primo space. Right. And to answer your question about like how land becomes available in the game, there's a mechanically a certain number of plots become available every round. However, you can also buy land that is not explicitly for sale by doubling the price, by paying twice the price. So there's time As long as it's adjacent to something that you own. The are you own, yeah. yes. So you can but sprawl out, essentially. You can sprawl out, but that there's actually, like, that's a wonderful decision point of, like, when is it worth it to pay twice as much for the land because the it's so advantageous in yeah. terms of what's there. Yeah. And land values really impact that because early in the game... Mm-hmm. Early in the game, sprawling's easier. Sprawling's easier. It's just yeah. three hundred thousand dollars. But later, mm-hmm. it's like, when is it no longer smart to do that? Like, if it's if land prices are at one point one million, it's like that's a lot of money. But like, but if you sprawl into an area with all the modifiers and the like, you can turn that. You can make such a huge profit off of that. Yeah. Uh, and and the, even like with that primo spot, like you know this mythical primo spot, like I would never get that spot and counter program counter build like you know. Because it, it, the cost of it is so high to buy a spot and then build something that isn't that it might like deny people, but it's going to hurt my resource so much. Mm-hmm. So like I, I thought that's pretty interesting. Where there is no, I don't want to say anti-play for me, but like mm-hmm. there is no way for me to really counterplay what the game is trying to do. Which, which I would think for me would be a disadvantage, but like it really does kind of simulate. Right. Uh, that the theme, and I and I appreciate that stability. Yeah, I mean, there's some areas I think that that maybe you could do that. There's some uh, there are some areas where like there's that are in, you're incentivized to build industrial and residential. So if you build residential, someone might build an industrial and tank the residential. So there's some areas where that can happen. If you try to build re- uh, an industrial in the middle of an in a non-industrial area, you could do it, but you're Cost like so high. The, the cost is high and you have to hope you have the, t- the sort of tenant that will drive the land value down for everyone else around you. Yeah. Um, and there's also another game, by the way, we talk about the tenants, but there is something to be said about the buildings, right? Because each, so each, each type of building, there are two, there's like a small version and a big b- version. There's like a house and apartment building. An uh, upgraded version. Yeah. There's, yeah. yeah which have big, different capacities, but they have different prices. And it's also like playing the game of which building to buy when, is interesting because like buying houses is good because they're cheap and you can flip them for a good profit and start getting your larger money and then use that money to fuel larger projects like a mega mall mm-hmm. or an office tower and knowing how to kind of climb up the ladder of buildings mm-hmm. is interesting you pro re- tip uh, do not buy an office building uh, first round you will lose i think you could do it uh, i think yeah. it's hard it, but- it depends on the map right no, <laughs> it, you 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 lose all your resources round one. That's all, that's the only way to build an office building. Okay, and uh, 
and you can't well, get Okay, there. but the, uh, in our narrative, in our yeah. story, that kind of makes sense, right? Like, yeah. You can't build an office when you don't have people to fill it. Yeah, 100%. In it. So 100%. 100%. That, that sure. makes He put a call center in there. I mean, that did not help the city. A call center? The, the call center, like, <laughs> gave me a lot of uh, income, but, like, you know, I, it cost me so much. That I was, it was unrecoverable, and you know, it's it's just interesting. I, I, Thank now, you for exploring the space. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're welcome. Well, and I explored too. <laughs> I started with industrial, but the difference was this, though. So industrial, so industrial and uh, office buildings in the game are kind of they're interesting because they're more expensive to build than retail and residential. There's fewer tenants. The tenants, though, that you do get worth three have high populations. And those populations are important because ultimately we haven't talked about it, but when you sell, it's kind of like the reverse of attracting. We don't have to get into the mechanics of it too much, but you add up all those multipliers again, and then you, you add up all the multipliers and a few others and multiply it by the land value. And that's how much money you get. And so, um, having high density tenants is really good. That's what the, that's the advantage of industrial and office and office is the most expensive, but industrial, you can, you can get, you can you can get high density and it's just, it's, it's harder the, the to distinction attract. might be that residential, especially early on the game are rent properties. And so they're money generating for you. Whereas industrial and office tend to be, you, you buy them, you fill them, you flip them. Right. And, those mu- and they them. have the very high multiply. They can like the multipliers well, are better on them. Well, what I do is I built my industrial, I built a simple industrial early on. I got a chemical plant in there because I too was interested in a chemical plant. And then I, it sat there all game. And then towards the end, I upgraded it to like a major industrial thing. And I got another two tenants in there. And then I sold the thing for like a huge amount of money, like $18 million, you know, when I initially had spent $1 million on it, you sure. know? So there is, there's this idea of like, when do you flip versus when do you let it ride and try to get like that, that, huge, that huge payoff, you know? Which I guess is probably a good segue into talking about the one of the big sort of hooks of the game, the selling, the risk, the market, when do you sell in this game? So the way the, the way risk is brought into this game is that at the end of the round, after we've done our actions, we look at a variety of factors. We look at um, what tenants are still available. Like if, if one category of tenant is exhausted, you're going to draw a risk card. Uh, I should also say that the way that risk is monitored in this game is that there is a deck of risk cards and, um, and there's a track that we're on and there's a little marker and the marker starts at like nine or something like that. And higher, then, yeah. and then when it, uh, higher than nine, but yeah. it's like a countdown to it's the a crash. countdown. Yeah. And as you pull these cards, some cards say zero, some say negative three. And if, if it's negative three, you go down three on that thing. And then when it hits zero, you've hit the crash and we have a whole thing and we, we, Prices drop, we sell off our inventory, the game ends. So you don't want to draw these cards, ideally, unless you really are confident that you're in the lead. So if if ten if there's certain if there are no longer certain tenants that are available to come into the city, risk cards. If we have not advertised, if we've not done the marketing, we get risk cards. If no one has sold any properties, we gain risk. On the other side, if too many people have sold properties, we get risk. And if the land values are just getting to getting too high, there's so inherent this is, risk. This is the game's timer, but it is somewhat variable. It like, is very variable, right? Yeah, because the the car, the risk cards range from zero to negative three. I think there's eight zeros, there's four threes, and then some variety of ones and twos in there. So you know, basically, 
you don't really know when you're going to crash. Once you get to nine, it's possible if you're drawing three risk cards, you could crash. You can go from nine to zero right in one turn. You don't know when, and it's all about like judging it. How do you guys feel about this, how this risk mechanic is executed? I, I feel that this is an area where it could be improved. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I would probably, uh, like right now, you, you look at the risk and you go, oh, we're at, like in our, our game on Friday, we were at one or two. It's going to crash now. Everyone sells, it's an auto sell for, uh, for the next round. And, you know, and that's less interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I feel like there are ways that you and I have discussed on how to do this. Like I, I would go, you know, make, like redo the cards cumulatively so like you know you draw one risk the first whatever like you count the number of risks you shuffle all those back in and then like by round five you're drawing 13 you know cards mm-hmm. but you don't know if that's going to work out like you know so yeah. so you know it can be done you know i we'd have to play test it but like right now it feels a little bit predictable and so it makes the game feel a little rote to me mm-hmm. where you go like oh I've already I've already lost. I know because everyone knows when they're going to sell, uh, and I don't have uh, selling early now isn't going to help me. And Tom has uh, too big of a building advantage. That said, you but, know, uh, uh, but it also worked like the game before that you and I played uh, and Trey played, where uh, you sold early or Trey sold. I you attempted are, to to well, okay, do suppression. <laughs> And the cra- no, people, we didn't. Uh, we the lemmings at, did not follow you. Well, we were at like two or something like that. Two or th- it was. It wasn't one, but it was like two or three. It, it was. It was one where it was a viable play to try to crash the market. Uh, ben did not succeed. I sold my thing one round too early, and because of that, uh, he did not win. Right, uh, and and that know. was more interesting. And you won, and you had said that you weren't going to win. You, exactly. I, I, I've i played this game three times. I've won twice, and both times that I won, I was in this position where I've lost, I've lost, I've lost. I'm 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 making non moves, and then everyone just fell in front of me, and I and I just kept on turtling ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say. Um, in terms of the risk for me, well, there's two things here, how it's executed and, and how, what it feels like. I mean, if, if it seems to me, um, I would have liked something that reminded me of like clank clank does like the risk thing really well, or even the hunger, which I didn't love the hunger, but they did, it did risk well. Like you, you know, like that sense of, of like what's going to come out of the bag or quacks of Quedlinburg. Like I think bag building would have been really mm-hmm. good for this. And I actually DM'd with the designer and he actually, and he said one of the issues was that uh, bag building was a surprisingly expensive component, mm. but oh, interesting. Yeah. But, um, but despite that, like, I think there could have been some way, you know, like you said, Paul, we, we talked about it after one of our games, how when it's sitting at one, it feels like, like, you, most people at that point, whether or not it's a smart thing to do, they get spooked and they sell. And then that kind of, and then even if it wasn't going to crash because everyone sells, it kind of ensures that it crashes. And you were saying it would have been kind of cool if like you kind of didn't quite know if you were one away. Like if you think you're at the crash, it seems like the crash mm-hmm. is one away, but you don't really know, uh, which is a little different. Well, the, the way I would say it is like, if you draw three cards from like where we start 12 or 10 or whatever, you can't crash. Mm-hmm. But if you draw eight cards, you might. Yeah. You might not. You draw 13 cards, you might, you might not. But like, and, and if you had that kind of risk, 
then I feel like the, the interesting thing to see would be someone to, oh my God, we have 13 cards. I better sell now. Oh, we don't. Oh, crap. I, you know, I've lost. But then other people sell the next round, but and you still don't crash. And so, like, that idea that guessing when that crashes, yeah. I think would be the more interesting way to go because then a, a set track. Exactly. Just because, like, it's, if you're going to model it, like, you know, it's, it's volatility and, you know, and that's what we try to do all the time, right? We go, like, oh, when is uh, Bitcoin going to drop? Do I, you know, when is this stock going to blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you try to you try to time it and and the failure of timing it wrong that uh that uncertainty that that yeah. failure mechanic that i like you know is intrinsic to the dna of this theme yeah and so i i just feel like if that was service just a little i won't say better is the right word like, i think maybe finessed a little bit more uh, although he said he said in his press thing mm-hmm. the 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 designer james naylor that they spent Hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. trying to get this because it was very very difficult mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Sure. For I would it would go out of whack. So I totally respect that. Um, there's part of me that also feels like you know I think I've played four or five times now. You played three times, etc. Um, I also I have already felt in playing it more. There's more decision space there in that risk than is first apparent. The mm-hmm. first time we played, we got to one. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, sell, 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 sell. Like, this is it. That's it's easy. over. Yeah, right? right. But the second time I played, I played with some other people. And as I saw the risk going down, it was clear that Judy, my friend Judy, uh, <laughs> Judy, I keep talking about her today. Sure. She's great. She was clearly in the lead. She was just like doing so well. And I was like, well, we could all sell. But then we're just giving it to Judy. You're just locking in. So the there, there's, yeah. there's actually, there needs, there is some thought to be put into how, not just like, like when's the best time to sell? How do we mitigate risk in this market? Maybe I don't exhaust this pool of tenants. It might be better for me to like not fill oh, right. my because, building all the way. Exhausting I, tenants actually is another risk factor, right? Yeah, yeah. exhausting tenants. Yeah. So like maybe I don't fill up my my building right away. Let that pool come back a little bit. So I think. There, there is a little bit more game than is apparent when you're just at sure. one, but I know what you're saying. I feel like I, I would like, like, like it reminds me of the cost, and we talked about that. Where once someone goes full Harkonnen, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is op- an option from turn one in yeah. the cost, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Once that happens, like you're f- kind of forced to to really go the dark side because the cost of being a preservist, you mm-hmm. know, uh, is so high. And like the moment, like, you know, you're at, uh, the, the bubble point, uh, and it's obvious, like it's really hard to like go, Oh, if we all collectively don't choose to pop it, you know, we can play another round, but one person is going to, it's going to be in their advantage to pop it. Yeah. You know, that someone's winning and, and if they, if they pick now and you guys aren't selling, right. Like that's it's it oh the the your situation and uh and especially in our second game uh is when when you get to that like four or five when it could pop and it, yeah and, and that's like, when it's really sweet and for me like if we can just broaden that space yeah where like it could pop because right now there's it would have to have like a certain number of cards get to a certain number for it to have that that real consideration risk. Yeah. And if you can broaden that space where like there's more times when you're at that space where like it could pop but it might not. 
Uh, I think that would that'd really, be great. Like yeah. maybe an expansion could do that because sure. sort of layer in that. By the way, I just want to say that Judy just texted me, so she must have known. Judy right. known. Judy yeah, knew. Like, well, your house is bugged. Yeah. No, I I, I would like that space to be because even though I can make a pitch for even if you're at one, there's more game to be played. Mm-hmm. I think I agree. Why not like create it so that way like. I think a lot of people are feeling a little disappointed from stuff I've read online. People are like, it was really fun, but then we wound up at one. And so we all knew to sell. So we sold and everyone keeps saying right. that. Mm-hmm. And they'd rather that be a real decision point. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and this is, I mean, I think with this game too, the more you play it, the more you have experiences like with me where I sold too early and I got screwed because of mm-hmm. it. And once you have that experience, then you say to yourself, Ooh, wait, I don't want to be too hasty about this. Mm-hmm. So like, I think as you play the game, you your decision space could actually open up, but that's a big ask for a game to mm-hmm. say, hey, play me a few times to understand me. And actually, I don't think it requires a uh, uh, an expansion. I think all it needs is like a, a rule change of how risk the cards are drawn. Okay. I, I think, you know, I think it's there. It requires just like, oh, do it this way, and then you will expand that space. I think that's, I think that's totally a doable thing. So I, I think people will house rule it if they want to play, like, you know, in, in my mind, in my, you know, in my not having tried this, I go, obviously, the way I, I, I yeah. you know, like the person who's designed, who spent hundreds of hours. I know, I'm sure that's what he loves to hear it, it, on like, a podcast. Exactly. Like, so I apologize. It's just like, you know, like it's the, it's the, what, what's that, uh, Dunn-Kruger? <laughs> like my, my lack of, my lack of uh, expertise makes me supremely yeah. confident. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that you know how to fix this game and yeah. that's not actually what's wrong with the game. Exactly. So, to, to me, like... This is one of many points of the game that there's a, a discussion about uncertainty and like how much should this be deterministic and how much of it should be kind of like open to the whims of chance. And I think what happens in this game a lot of times is just the the random throws of the dice or the random throws of the tenant tokens or whatever can create situations that may be uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I probably fall on the more deterministic side mm-hmm. on a lot of these. And the thing that you were talking about, Paul, in terms of, to, to me, it seems like if there's a case for three people ganging up to prevent the front runner, you know, and they're going to actively work to stop the market from crashing, like that sounds really interesting. At the same time, we know that, you know, a flip of a minus three would make all of that irrelevant. And like this game has a lot of uncertain moments like that. And so I think Jennifer messaged me a bunch of times asking about this game and did the dice bug me? For me, the uncertainty of the dice didn't bother me so much it was actually the tenant polls yeah that's, that's what i wanted to that get were, into that were, if yeah. it's okay we can kind of let's get talk into about that. that no just you know there's the tenants that fill your buildings actually get determined by three cards that you draw every round it gets added to the pool of tenants so at the beginning of the game you there's a pretty healthy tenant pool there and you probably shouldn't build you shouldn't build anything that tenants don't exist for yes so and it's, this is like, maybe it's a like, tough lesson but this is like what the lessons you learn from playing brass right like don't just start build anything if someone built that thing built some built a cotton thing build something that's going to service the cotton right that's right um, and, and that happens here where there's a certain amount that you can know from the initial setup of the game. It's like, oh, there seems to be an extreme glut of resident tenants this time. Students. So I feel safe going into the residential sector. Like that's, a, that's an interesting decision. At the same time, every round we're going to flip three cards and that's going to add new tenants. And 
those card flips are incredibly random. And yeah, it's, it's possible a lot of times are. you've just built your huge residential tower. In fact, I think we were playing an expansion that could have <laughs> Tom, like nine tenants. We did the skyscraper. Eight, with yeah. eight. Eight or Tom, Tom built a skyscraper and put like one student in there initially. It was like this giant empty skyscraper with a student. <laughs> but you build something like that. Some of it has to be like counting on more residents coming to the city and you can just crap out on those card flips. And I think you and I were talking, Ben, that that was an area that to me, like too much uncertainty. We would rather, again, looking toward more of a bag builder thing. Like one of the nice things that happens in this game is like, as you create more residential, then it, it creates a market for more residential tenants. But yes. what actually is available in the game is completely random and un related to that and that did not that was did not feel great yeah i i, I agree I, I don't know I, I agree that it is completely random it doesn't bother me as much because again it sort of reminds me of like it gets to the theme of speculation like oh i'm going to build this because more residents are coming and there's and real estate it's not guaranteed but that being said so much of the game is oh when you build residential you're this is this is you're creating a yeah. incentive for retail, yeah. right? Everything's about incentive, incentive, but it doesn't like uh, it, this would have a great opportunity for again another bag building thing where like when you build residential, you put some chits in a bag, so like you're increasing the chance of that like you're gonna pull industrial or you're gonna pull office, but you're not guaranteed it, so you still get that speculation. But it would be nice if the if the if the incoming tenants were impacted by what is actually being built. I feel like that's yeah. one area where I'm a little surprised that that it didn't extend all the way into that mechanic. There. It's a tough design. Like I'm sympathetic to the designer to decide like how granular can our real estate market simulation game sure. be. Yeah, and I think this is this is one of those things where you know, like I feel like this game has entered into the simulationist space. Mm -hmm. in terms of games and it's doing a lot of that pretty well and the, almost like the danger of entering into a simulationist game space is that it starts to be judged as is it succeeding as, as a, a simulation, simulation. Like, and that's where it was coming up shorter for me of like it's asking these interesting questions it's creating these interesting incentives but then i'm also finding it lacking by almost like the terms that it defined itself like yeah. this is not going to be a war game this is not going to be a gmt game right it is lighter than that it is more medium weight it's than not a splatter it's it not is not a splatter and it's not a gmt game but I think we found those moments of like we actually would like it to be a bit more responsive to the market forces that it's supposed to be it exploring. Has, it has enough in there that it's creating the promise of this. Yes. But, but in that area, completely it, it would have been really cool. Yeah. It would have been really cool to like if 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 Paul sees that you just built a bunch of houses, he can say, oh, there's a good chance that I'm going to get an industrial tenant now because ind industry needs people, right? Like that would have been cool, but he can't bank on that, you know? Like, I I'm going to dissent. Yes. Yeah, oh. Because, because, because oh. Ben loves dissent. Yes. Yes. And, I and for me, I, I feel like this, this game fills a certain space. I'm, I'm all about games. Like filling the space that uh, that it's trying to fill. So I'm not going to judge Dune on the same way I judge Clerks, for example. Like you know, it's it's just trying to hit the goodness of what it is. Mm -hmm. And for me, like I I put this game in a and I, I use this as this is my term and I because I just came up with it like an hour ago. I, I call it delight forward. 
delight forward. forward. Yeah. Oh. And, and so, like, you know, like, it reminds me of uh, Brick and Mortar. Yeah. Uh, that we played a lot during the pandemic. It reminds me a lot of Smartphone, mm-hmm. which we, we played a, a lot. Uh, and there is a, a certain imperfection of application to theme. At the uh, and what you gain from that is fun and ease, mm. and so I, I feel that like this, at least from my perspective, I go like, oh, this they're they're not trying to get that good, uh, because what they want is the fun and talkiness, yes, uh, of it, and and I think that kind of like that that randomness is actually helping the talkiness, despite the fact that it goes against theme, yep. And so, like the the you want that ah we we got the right. the bad and I I feel like that is a design choice as opposed to uh uh like it's like you you buy a burger you get McDonald's burger you get the precision Hulk cuisine burger and somewhere in the middle you have a really good burger that is intentionally I don't like to use this word for this but sloppy mm-hmm. and that's in itself is a good burger and I feel that there's I feel like, like with you know, what I said smartphone with uh, brick and mortar. There is a certain sloppiness by choice, by design, in order to get a certain table feel. Right. Table feel. Is that is that, is that, is that table that, feel? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and An so, emotional well, experience. Using culinary terms. My world. My world has is, a certain is, sort of like gaming umami about yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I I look at it and I go like, is this? Because I totally agree with Trey. Like you know, it can be made better. And I think you like, could still get those, I, I, those aha I, moments <laughs> and have it be responsive to what you know. We need those citrusy acid. It needs more acid. It's really fun forward. And, like, you know, I really like mm. the, uh, the, the unctuous, like, unctuous not fun mode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Uh, and and I, I totally agree with Trey where, like, this can be made more thematically perfect. I, I feel like it, it wouldn't actually take too much to do so. Yeah. Would it affect table feel and i don't know Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like the table feel of what's hitting now is something that i've seen and played before where i come in and go like we're going to play this type of game if you know and the expectation goes i know what to expect yeah you know i'm not expecting as you say a gmt or something where uh we're really kind of like trying to uh thinky it and exactly Mm -hmm. we're playing this thing where like oh what we want to do is have a lot of banter, a lot of laughter. Yeah. And, you know, for all of it, I love Age of Steam. It's one of my favorite games. There's not a lot of laughter in Age of Steam. There's a lot of, <laughs> oh, yeah. there's a lot of tears. There's, yeah. there's a lot. Of, and, and, like, there's a time when you want that. I mean, there's absolutely a time when you want that. And I, I'll play Age of Steam anytime. Right. And, but, like, but, it's, but if you're wanting a certain different feel, like, this is going to give you that, like, Flavor profile. There so, it goes. Food again. There, flavor. <laughs> well, so so that one thing that I always want, since we are sort of coming wrapping this up, pretty much, right? One thing I think is always really important to address is now how, we've talked about lots of different things. There have been there's some issues, whatever. Was this fun for you? Did you have fun playing this tray? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think it's absolutely fun. Uh, despite you know my stated stance on dice, that part didn't bug me even like the things that i'm complaining about in terms of uncertainty like they were still they were still fun for me yeah so like where i come down on all of this is like i'm i think this is a beautiful experiment i'm really glad i played 
my the the ceiling on this though is that I don't think it achieved that you know that classic that's going to make me want to return to it again and again like mm -hmm. I think that the the lessons if we're, if I'm doing my Raf Coster yeah. you know you know I'm having fun as long as I'm learning I feel like there's probably stuff for me still to learn from this game but I can already see the end of that road where I'm not going to return to it again and again mm -hmm. but it's absolutely a recommend for me to players to absolutely try this form your own opinion the it may hit the fun and replayability for other people that it that it isn't for me so it's it's definitely uh, a recommend but it, i don't it's not going to be making my top 50 list yeah that's thing. yeah right I, and i i agree with trey like you know as far as i i i'm probably a little more forgiving with the mm -hmm. theme uh but and i had a lot of fun playing this uh i feel like i have maybe Seven, eight more games of this before I go. That's and great. That's, that's, that's great. Seven, eight. Yeah. That's more than I have played a lot of games. No, no, no. no. And, and 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 it would require it to be actually with different people, probably. Mm -hmm. So like I can see them learning it. Like you know, they're, they're, yeah. I enjoy watching people learn this game, and then the second time when they when they have a firmer uh, grasp of the rules. I like th those those two bits. And after, but I don't think I would play. Uh, since we've played together uh, this game, like I don't need to play with me, you, the, the two, the three of us mm -hmm. again. You know, like uh, in the wow. sense, well, well, no, in the same, in the same way, like you know, like <laughs> I, 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 ever, ever, message received. Any okay, other game, fine, you're, right. you're done, you're dead to me. No, no, but like I would always want, like you know, like in, like on Friday we played with Tom and Gilson, uh, friend, of, uh, not friend of the podcast, David Gilson. Uh, actual friend, person, uh, <laughs> person known by uh, so Mike is an actual friend as well. That's right. Uh, <laughs> And having them kind of work through it is, was very fun for me to watch. Yeah. But that being said, I do think that there's value in playing with the same people. Actually, really any game. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that there is actually a meta that could be developed around sure. this. And you had said something that was interesting at one point. That, you, that one thing that you were finding fascinating about this game is that you don't know where the pivot point is. Like you said that with sure. 18xx, you know. But with this game, you don't know. Sure. And that's what's sort of intriguing to you, right? But you will. But, but I will. It's noble. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, I, I think if you made the risk a little more vague, I think that will increase his longevity. Yeah. Because, like, uh, cause like that, that's, that's the interesting point for me. Everything else is, like, mechanical. So it's interesting, Sarah. You're, you're saying that you would like that to be more uncertain as far as when it's going to crash. Because I me think too. what I was saying is I would rather push that into the hands of player agency. That mm -hmm. felt more comfortable to me of that kind of, like many alliances mm. forming on the table, to me that feels like the more mm. interesting design space well, than I would like just yeah. expanding the outcome range of the card flips. Like for for me, like I would say that I would want to prefer like like I player like alliances would determine how many cards you draw, but like all the cards would be drawn at once. So like it goes every time, every end of the game, every round you reset back to twelve. Mm -hmm. But the game, but the risk cards keep on gener uh, stay grow so at first you're like your bag your deck building exactly with risk uh and so it's that, a risk bag exactly <laughs> bag of risk and, and big, so big bag of risk big bag of glass <laughs> bag of risk <laughs> bag, of, bag of risk uh and and that that would make it so that it would because like, what i would really like is like the game would be fun to go like oh Ben, Ben checking out. He sold up too soon, mm -hmm. and now he, and you have some agency in creating that situation. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and then and then like you know, and then now I think it might be great for me to uh, to sell, 
and uh, Ben's game is over, but like, oh, guess what? Too soon again, and Ben's able to recover. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of dynamic seems to be because I think the crux is like the, the crux of the game is like when do you sell? Or maybe and, yeah, or maybe there's something where like the players have some agency in being able to push that risk track backwards. So it's like, oh, they want to crash it, but. I'm going to introduce some sort mm-hmm. of like civic measure, and that would be a great expansion place because there's this is mm-hmm. rife or ripe ripe mm-hmm. for expansion, mm-hmm. like uh, building a stadium or building a park or building like all the like a museum, schools, all those mm-hmm. things that go into a city, and those could be things that maybe push Mitigate. back the risk. So it's yeah. like it's like oh we're gonna crash, nah, like I'm planning sure. to do, planning to do this, like that would be a really yeah, fun exactly. thing. I, I I agree that that could be you know uh, Dunn Kruger again, like you know. Uh, yes, like you know, obviously that will work because I'm supremely confident. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah, so, so like some something that can control that because right now the the auto auto sell is the thing that makes me go like ah uh, this is this is the, the bummer part of it for me. It's a little bit like wrapping up the game yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. I think you would like for that to be bigger mm-hmm. that decision because I'm not sure that like when you sell is the key question of the game. I think it's actually that's if I'm going to dissent. I think that's actually second order mm-hmm. because I think the game's actually about growth. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and that this is a growth game. And then that when do you sell and how the game ends is that second order of, you know, that pivot point mm-hmm. or that second act to the growth story. This is yeah. a growth game. And so how it ends is important is, is the issue but you can be out of this game if you did not grow efficiently if yeah. you did not take advantage of those bonuses that you were talking about yeah, paul right. where like they're hard to ignore you've created these certain forces on the board that you have to respect because you're in a growth competition sure. with the other well, players the other thing too though is the inevitability of the crash there's a May message be, in that there's a message in that for yeah one i mean here's the thing it all makes sense like oh gosh i hate the fact that we crashed when we were too risky and we all decided to sell our buildings. I hate that the game crashed. It's like, well, that's how crashes work. But also, you know, if you have built too many things on that board, you only have three actions. And to sell something is an action. So if you sense that a crash, maybe it's not going to happen this turn, but you know it's imminent, you have to start getting in the process of selling all your properties. Because, like, you might say, well, it's obvious the crash is happening now. Well, great, but you've got five buildings. And so if you... Can only, if you're only selling three of your five buildings, you're actually failing. So sometimes it's maybe we're th- approaching it incorrectly. Maybe it's like, yeah, you can sort of tell when the end is going to be. So therefore, you have to start selling, you know. And and that is that is a consideration too. I, I think I think there That's are layers. There are layers yeah. that are not obvious right. to that aspect. So in terms for me, for me, was this fun? I have a blast with this. I actually love this game. Despite its rough edges, despite rough edges, despite the fact that with the risk, I was expecting a certain experience from the risk Mm -hmm. that I wasn't getting. There is the issue with the tenants being random. But sometimes you just like, sometimes when you love something, you kind of don't care. Like, I recognize the flaws. Delight forward. It's delight forward. I just have so (laughs) much fun with it. I would actually wager to say that this is, I think the best city building game because it's the one city building game that that feels like building a city it feel like you do look back at the end of Venice and you and you look at these neighborhoods you've made stories that the game tells a story not just because it has names but there's an actual narrative arc to the game um you get invested in the city literally and and i um 
I, I think it's actually a, a huge success in terms of a city building game. Like I think, I as much as I totally love suburbia, agree. this I is concur. by far. I don't see any other uh, city building. Yeah, game and, and like also, this. but the big difference in suburbia is in suburbia you're building your own city. Yes, this is a shared city. Yeah, this and, is, I, and I can't, I can't think of, and maybe people, this would be a good thing for people to write in. If you can think of a game that's a shared board city builder yeah. that does the city building experience better, or at least just well, yeah. that we should be talking about, I'd love to hear it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm curious I, about it. I have, I have actually a game downstairs called Expansity, which I've never played, but that's also like, it's very 3D, but mm-hmm. apparently that's supposed to be very fun. But, um, so I, I do want to try that one, but this one just, this one really scratched an itch mm-hmm. that I've been looking for. So really just based off of that alone, it's a huge recommend for me. I hope it actually gets, I hope people see it so that way it gets support and there can be expansions to deal with some of these things. Um, and also in terms of player Player point. I played it at two. I played it at four. It's been it's been great at both. And the game actually comes with like a, a bot, like one of those bots where you can add like multiple bots, mm-hmm. so you can In simulate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so there's that. Um, so that's I think that was a that was actually a very uh, lengthy in depth yep. review. But I thought it was a, a game that was worth really sure, sure. Uh, exploring. And if you'd like to vote Ben off 100%. the island, one hundred percent. I know, hundred <laughs> percent. I can't believe guys, I had a long review. Shocking. Okay. Shocker. <laughs> now let's let's move on to the uh, topic for the episode. Believe it or not, there is a topic, <laughs> despite the fact that the review felt like a topic yeah. in and of itself. But um, we are talking about setting expectations for game night. This was something that yeah, I... Yeah, Ben, how did this come... This seems like you know, this this, something you want to talk about. This is... Okay, everyone, welcome to the therapy session. No, uh, I have realized I've had a few game nights in general, and this is just something that's always kind of been something I've grappled mm-hmm. with, where I go into a game night expecting a certain thing, and then I don't get that thing, and then sometimes I leave kind of like... You know, it's yeah. sort of like a... You know, in your feelings. I, yeah, I leave in my feelings. And it made me wonder, like, how do you set healthy expectations? Is it fair to have expectations? Is it fair? Yeah. What role does the host mm-hmm. have to, to cater to, to guess expectations? And, you know, like, you know, how do you deal how do you deal with all that? You know? So, Trey, do you ever have issues? Where you're like, oh, I'm, I want to go to, like, I'm so excited for this game night. And you realize that your expectations weren't met and it's, it's made you feel a certain sort of way. Absolutely. I think this is a topic that probably everybody relates to. I think as we enter into this conversation, though, I think there's times when we do these segments and it's like, well, we're a game brain and we're saying, this is how you teach a board game. Yeah. yeah. I, this is not one of those segments. No, no, no. This no. is, I think we are exploring. Exploring our, our thoughts on this. Our, our thoughts and feelings on this. <laughs> uh, that, that was Trey managing your expectations yeah, right. about yeah. us managing I, I our expectations. Like this is, what I would say is like, we may be like veteran board gamers. No, I don't know how to set expectations. But this is something that we are, struggle, we are struggling with. Yeah. And I would say that, yes, I absolutely experienced this. I would say I struggle to sometimes uh, contain my frustration mm-hmm. over this issue. I've been told that I'm bad at, <laughs> at managing my frustration about mm-hmm. some of this. But certainly there could be frustration where the way it works out, you may have been looking forward to playing certain games and then you end up not playing that game. Yeah. Or maybe that game gets played and you didn't get to play it. Yeah. Very upsetting a lot of times. Um, and 
I think it's great that you're bringing this up because I feel like this is an area where we could do better. Right. And it's not, by the way, this is, I've, I found this in like a variety of, it's not a yes. game brain thing. It's with all sorts sure. of different. And, and this is a, probably a timely thing because we're theoretically coming out of the pandemic and mm-hmm. people are wanting to play games and, you know, and they're, they will have expectations yeah. and uh, it's invariable that uh, not all those expectations will be met. <laughs> Do you, Paul, you, Paul, you always seem actually pretty even killed. I am. You are even killed. <laughs> well, okay. Thank you for joining. Unlike, unlike okay. Trey, so Trey Paul and I is are even killed. No, so um, but so do you go into game nights with any expectations? I never go into a game night uh, wanting to play a certain game that mm-hmm. I don't get to play. Yeah, I, I I just set my boundaries. I go like I go in internally. I go like, well, you know, I'm just here to hang out with my friends. And my win condition, as we oftentimes talk about, is to play a game so that someone loses their cookies. Yes. If it's me, that's totally fine. It's it's even better if if you get me to lose, you know, my mind. That is but if great. someone someone like really gets invested in the game and like they they get, you know, that like that salivating <laughs> sweaty palm kind of feel uh because they're so invested in like the paper and cardboard, like it's hilarious. Yeah. So that said, I, and I am a terrible person person, I apologize. Uh, uh that said, like you know, I'm when I really want to play a game, I just go and say, "Hey, like this is the game that I want to play and and then people tend to accommodate because I yeah. don't really have I don't I'm so So you feel have are you in fact like banking some authority by by being so kind of reserved or not being picky when you when you do say I want to play something you have a certain amount of authority to get that on the table I, I don't know if I see it that way I see it more like I'm just setting a boundary I'm going like hey this is what I like to play and people accommodate that yeah. and I think they accommodate because they don't. I, you don't I'm, do it. Like 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 on, on on Tuesday. Like you know, I played Dune Imperium. Mm-hmm. You know, right? As, as much as I <laughs> say no more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I reviewed it. You know, and, and I love Dune, and you know, I love Mike, and I love Dimitri. That experience was not interesting to me on a game level. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was not your first choice. It was not, and you know, and I did that because Matt like did the snivel, going like, I never get to play with Tom and Trey. Mm-hmm. And I go okay. Which is legit. It's totally legit. Like, yeah. you know, but I was like, okay, well, you know, like, like, why don't we do that? Like, Mike wants to play Imperium. I'm totally fine with that. And I will, quote, unquote, take it on the chin for this game night. Right. And it's uh, totally fine, by the way. Like, you know. Because right. you got to have a fun social experience with Exactly. Them. Like, you know, because I'm there going to hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. And unlike, I think, a lot of people in our game group, the games are secondary. Yeah, and and you know, and and that is that is a, a very distinct thing for me, and that's why I'm so protective of our game group, because I'm there for the people, and if the people are f- like you know, not happy because of games, that's that's the wrong hierarchy See, for me. I go through a cycle. I've, uh-huh. I've discovered that I've gone. I'm going through a cycle that I want to adjust because I. So I am someone. I acquire games. I get excited about mm-hmm. games, and then I really want to play them. And so I'm excited mm-hmm. to play certain games. I'll want. I'll maybe I'll bring a game to game. And I. And there have been times where I've said, I have brought this game and I want to play it, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm not able to play it. Or do you say that out loud? I have. There was one time I said it out loud. <laughs> was well, actually, no, 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 there, no. That was actually an issue. Uh-huh. I, I had an issue where I was like, you know, I have to. I have to realize it is okay for me to declare what mm-hmm. I want to do and it, no one's going to hate me for it. Cause I was, right. I was actually 
that's something that I've been I've been doing more lately because I always my whole thing is I never want to be a domineering person where it's like they, they, people see me coming and it's always like okay well we're gonna have to play whatever Ben wants to play otherwise he's gonna have a hissy fit right I don't want to be that person and mm-hmm. then what happens is in my effort to not be that person I then wind up not really advocating for myself and then I feel then I get I get upset that I'm not really playing the game I truly wanted to play because I didn't speak up and then I'm upset that I didn't speak up and then I just spiral which is you know that's right. fun I and love there's the danger of passive aggressive oh yeah no I agree I turn passive aggressive real quick so <laughs> I don't we don't want that we don't want we that don't. Uh, we, we but don't. but that being said I mean you know I, I've had situations though recently where I have said exactly mm-hmm. what I wanted to play mm-hmm. and I haven't been able to get to the table and Actually, it's been like the fact that I've been able th- that I said it, and then it gets vetoed. Uh, I'm actually oh, like it's like okay, at least I said it. Mm-hmm. Right, you were I'm seen. able to process. I felt seen, uh-huh. you know. Um, but you know, there are still times where you're just like, I want to. I still want to mm-hmm. play this game, and then I think, and then I get like, I, I and then I people play a do have game. to decide to dance with you though. Like yes. you're, you're right to say I want to play X, and mm-hmm. if nobody says I'd like to play X, like you. Like you do have to take kind of no for Some an answer. That, yeah, you do. You do. And then, and, but, but you know what? I noticed that there were a few times where I was like, okay, cool. Like it's about the people, not the games. And then I play a game. I'm like, I hate this game. What? Right. Oh, oh, and I get, and I leave and I get so upset. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, why did I, I should have advocated harder. Why did I advocate yeah. harder? I'm advocating. But then I, and then my cycle is that then I say, oh my God, Ben, get over yourself. Right. Cause it is about the people. Sure. And so then I say, so I say, no, next game night, I'm going to do a poll. I'm not going to come up with any expectations. <laughs> no expectations. I'm going to play whatever it is, even if it's something like Ankh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Dang. Don't let, let that sit there. Don't let that sit there, which I won. Which, which I won. You, did. you dominated. Absolutely. I, I, I dominated. Like you dominated and you didn't even like use your, your special power. asymmetrical yeah, you power. power at all. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bad game, guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> Opinionated gamer here. I mean, like, let's be honest. It's not a good game. So, um, but, but the point is this, though. I had so much fun. Sure. Because I didn't go in with any expectation. I just was like, I'm just going to be with my friends. I think it is okay to be prescriptive in game night. Like, we could do more of that. Sure. And I'm especially thinking... Uh, of consideration for Jennifer mm-hmm. for when Jennifer drives down from Santa Clarita. Yeah. Like there's both, that's a very long drive, both coming down during rush and hour back and then night. back late at night. And Jennifer keeps I can't believe she did, I can't earlier believe she does hours that. than we do anyway. So I, I think it's completely reasonable. Like, I don't think that means that Jennifer can show up and say, I'm going to play this and people need to play this with me. I think it is legitimate for Jennifer to say, I want to play this game mm-hmm. and people can kind of say yay or nay. And she makes that call before she commits to the drive. And we should be considerate of that. Like she should yeah. never make a drive and then have an expectation of playing a game that we don't then don't play i agree and actually i think one of the times where there was a game i was like i want to play this game uh, i think you would give me a heads up oh by the way jennifer's coming and she's bringing a game and so we didn't play it but i was like that's cool because i knew jennifer's bringing a game so there's a good chance like we're gonna probably play that game but i was like i'm looking at least voice that this is a game that i was interested in you know so i think i think like but in terms of like managing expectations of like that that is the case you managed my expectation in that case <laughs> you know you did sure so like but so part of me wants to say you should have no expectations when you go into a game night. But is that actually fair to, to no, go no. To, to just be like, I'm at the mercy of whatever. And then you just never quite get. I, I don't think so. Like for, for me, like I, I understand that I live actually in the privilege, in the shadow of people who want to play games. Because with me, I just play Avalon all day. 
you know, uh, <laughs> you know, like the the game that has never gotten old. Uh, but but that said, like you know, that's not gonna that's not growth mindset for me. Like you know, yeah. I'm I'm living in the fact that like uh, ev- almost everyone else, uh, with the exception of say Dimitri, like has an opinion about what they want to play, and I'm just kind of like lack of a better word, parasiting off that. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm okay with just being like, you know, uh, the barnacle that goes like, okay, sure, let, let's, let's give yeah. it a try. Uh, I have opinions about what is a good game, what a bad game is. I, I have opinions that goes, hey, if I had to choose between X and Y, I will have an opinion. Right. Uh, but that said, like, if someone has a strong opinion and, like, enough people, I go like, yeah, let's make it work. Because in the end, you know, like, like you have to balance what you're really there for. And if you're honest, you know, my I'm extreme in that way. Dimitri is even more extreme than me as far as like I'm here to hang out with people. I understand that. Like it's this is a board game group. This is a board game right. podcast. People need to want to play board games. They, so just be honest. I, my my belief is like forthrightness. You yeah. know, like we're we're close enough that we don't need to be so polite to each other. Like we do, but like yeah. you know, but you can say, hey, I want to play this because X Y Z. We're friends enough that people should take that into consideration. I mean that, that's yeah. to me that's that's what it is. I think I think what is often hardest is uh, this idea that like oh I'm going to sacrifice for the group needlessly. Yeah, you know like like that. that I think that's just ridiculous. <laughs> well, I think right. I mean so. I guess another question is, let's say I mean cause there are times where I, sometimes it's not even about a specific game. It's like oh my god, I've had. A really long week. I want to play like a mm-hmm. crunchy euro because for me that's like a brain oh, massage. Oh, yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my god. You know, all I want to do. I've worked so hard. I just want to play mm-hmm. some game that is just going to make my brain melt or whatever. And then it turns out that it's a night of playing, you know, bonanza. Sure. And like when, like that's a situation where it's not a specific game. It's like I want to play this, but it's like yes, I'm here for my friends and everything. But also like I was hoping to have this experience with my friends like i think it's i think it's fair that you're it's it's okay to go into a night with a sort of expectation of what that that night is going to be is what's going to look like Mm -hmm. right and like what happens when those nights don't turn out that way like how do you guys pivot because i think i mean there are times by the way i'm not a total monster like i can pivot you're a monster but not a total <laughs> not monster. a total monster i can pivot uh-huh. but I, I'm, I'm interested to i sort of like to dissect these things oh, sure. like what is like you don't want to be you don't want to be someone who's just like totally inconsolable mm-hmm. and it's like okay well we are we're playing the crew tonight we're not playing you know arc right mm-hmm. so what do you guys do to make that pivot I'm not sure I'd do it well. Uh, I mean, and, and I guess I would say that, like, what you're talking about there, I absolutely experienced that. It's because it's, it, to me, I was looking at a lot of times we're going to have a certain number, which means we're going to break down into two different games, maybe yeah. three, it, maybe three, but um, often it's often it's two, and there's going to be the crunchier game, and there's going to be the lighter game, and I kind of inevitably want to play the the crunchier one, and that yeah. can be a place where I can get a little. In my feels, if I feel like I just got put at the kitty table. <laughs> um, and maybe like one advantage I have, like Paul, what, Paul, what you're talking about just made me think like it's good that we're not all the same people, mm-hmm. that we don't all have the same needs going into, into the gaming group. So I appreciate the flexibility that you and Dimitri show because I maybe 
just to be fair, like I'm probably on the less flexible sure. side, nope. and I have yes, you are 100 yeah. games. <laughs> I aspire yeah. to be flexible, but I'm realizing I'm not as flexible as I yeah. Try so to I would say. like to be more flexible. I guess the thing I was going to bring up with you, Ben, is that you and I sometimes fall into the role of of people that teach games. Yeah. So we're actually able to ex exercise a little bit more control because a lot of times I have to do a teach or you have to do a teach, which means you have a little bit more say about what gets played and kind of bring about the game that you, you want to play right. sometimes. I have a thought on that. I think invariably people are going to get disappointed. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're going to take it on chin one night or, or two or whatever. It sucks when it's like three nights in a row. Yeah. That, that, that's where that's where it really sucks. I think so. But but if but if but if you go in going like, oh okay, this is not going to be my favorite game night. This is going to go into the the game night where I go like I had expectations, and it, it they weren't met. Congratulations, you're a yeah. human being. You you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've done it. Like you know, you you, you punched that card. Like you know, uh, I and I think everyone is in our group at least is sympathetic mm -hmm. towards that, and I think everyone is also sympathetic. If like if you've had like a series of of like you know disappointing game nights, you know this is this is where like you know people just need to express their feelings a little bit, especially have trust in the group that the group yeah. will take care of you, because like no one wants you know you to like feel like you have to go and then resent going. No one wants to have you have a, a truly bad experience. Like yeah, uh, save me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and as such, like, you know, I think there's, it really comes down to, uh, and this is, I don't know, it's prescriptive to everyone, but like, you know, it really comes down to your group. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a group that you feel uh, safe with being, say, saying what your needs are, I think if you, if that yeah. group is good, you'll, they'll accommodate. Yeah. And if they're, they're no, and they say, you know, take it on the chin, probably in the wrong group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder for me if how much of this whole discussion about expectations is like, is it about expectations or is it about, you know, saying your piece? Communication. Right? Communication because, yeah. you know, like there was a, a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. I actually brought Magnate to Matt's house mm -hmm. and ultimately it was like, no, let's, let's not play that. Let's play uh, Santiago well, and had smartphone. you a couple of false calls with Magnate, I did. right? I mean. I did, but I was okay with that in that case. I was, I was starting to feel like, am I the person who, like, if I don't get my way, if I don't get to play the game mm -hmm. I want to play, am I just not going to be able to enjoy a game? But it was fine. That, mm -hmm. that night we played Santiago. Yep. I really enjoyed that. And we played smartphone. Like, so I was like, okay, I can actually be like a, <laughs> a human being, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I did. I had, a, I had a few false starts with, with Magnate. And that was getting, it was starting to get a, it was starting to get a little annoying, but I had managed to get some plays outside of our normal mm -hmm. game night. So then I was sort of like mollified a little mm -hmm. bit. It was more like, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I think you guys would like to play this, but we can. Yeah. But that does, that one really went, I think that's where the origin of this thing was, of expectations. Mm -hmm. Because I think that was an example of where not everybody was on the same page. Because you had an expectation of playing Magnate. Yes. And it wasn't just because you wanted to play it. It's because you had kind of announced that you wanted to play it. And you had gotten buy-in from other players, specifically David yes. Gillison, who came to play that game. And then it didn't happen. Yes. And some of that was timing. I was late. I was late. I, I forfeited my... But, the, but that would just... I was just, 15 minutes late. We're just kind of like shining a light on like... So there were different expectations among the players then about what we were going to do that came into conflict. I, yeah. I think it ended up working out in time, but that this was a time where you're like, I had an expectation I was going to play this, and then I didn't, and you're disappointed, and so what can we do about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is anything you could do. I think it's just about. I think it's just about trying to just be have a healthier mindset that like sometimes the game that you bring mm-hmm. doesn't get played. You know. Yeah. No, I, exactly. And actually, the way that I would sum it up is, at least not for me. Like, and this is what I, I really strive to to do for myself. Is like nothing feels worse than for me uh, when I having a miserable time. And I can see that I'm complicit in causing my own miserable time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, that's or you're a, ruining it for other people too. Uh, exactly. And and so that's why I'm always so needs forward for myself. Yeah. Because at least like, you know, if I say it out loud, uh, I've voiced it, I've advocated for myself, even if it doesn't get shown, I don't go with like, and, and you should have said something. Oh, you should have said something, Paul. You know, like I hate I, that. I hate yeah. that. I hate like, you know, going like I should have, could have, would have. So, so that's why I take this perspective of like, you know, if I need something, I'll say it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if I, if I seem like a monster, congratulations. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's not being a monster. I think <laughs> we can be a little bit prescriptive here. I, th- I think, like, if we uh, consciously attempt to communicate what we, in- like, if there's something you want to play and you get that out in an email and that gives chance for people to say, yes, yes I would like to play that game, that is just, it's better communication mm-hmm. for setting expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Not everything yeah. has to be, like, there's not something moral, ethical about not making the call until you get there. Right. Um, I could, yeah. like, and again, like, I know, like, I have sometimes been not happy when I've, this used to happen sometimes with Tom, but we would walk in the door and he will have already set up a game. Yeah. I think that's fine as long as there was a conversation about it. When it's mm-hmm. just Tom wants to play a game and so and so he's placed it on the table, like that felt a little bit not great. Yeah. Um, but I think we talked talked about it and that doesn't happen too often. He's and he's flexible because but that's because we didn't have those advanced conversations. And you actually manage his expectations of what what you guys want out of a game night, which is that like you want to have a little bit more say or whatever, right? And so he was able to adjust. Or, or, or we, I we, guess you know, like it's it's a matter of bulldozing, right? Like once if you have agency, people tend to do well. But like you know, if you're bulldozed into a situation, uh, like for example, if Tom wanted to play pitch car, pitch car is an example of of right. something that he loves that he's more than uh, he's more than entitled to set up and play. Yeah. You know, not everyone, Trey. <laughs> loves pitch car ben uh but you know but like uh and you know and so what we've come up with is solutions like hey those who don't want to play come an hour later yeah and, and i think that's great yeah. by the way i that's, think it's that's so right great to, to say yeah. like we're playing this game mm-hmm. it is what it is or like even with avalon mm-hmm. you know, like in the beginning i i mean i i still I, I mean i like avalon i still think secret hitler is better sorry trey but um <laughs> in the beginning i was like but it was cool that you guys would be like we're playing it tonight it's gonna be about an hour mm-hmm. and i'm like okay, you make I, choices. Can, I can have a little i can have dinner or something like that you mm-hmm. know it, it, so yeah i mean once again express your needs express your needs i will try to pivot better <laughs> I am trying to, I actually think I have improved since no, I, think I kind of like hit like a, I had like one situation where I did not speak up about what I truly wanted and I, I really spiraled and I was like, I cannot be spiraling like this about a board game, right? Cause it's, I mean, it's about something sure. larger. It's about like your voice. It's about like, like what yeah. you want, what you need and how much you advocate for yourself. And I just was like, I can't have, I can't be this fraud about this. Like it's, I have to start saying and I was like. Which, people can handle it. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like as a person who enjoys people spiraling, this was a. a <laughs> it was uh, a spiral. Uh, no, no, no. It, like you know, I felt bad that you were spiraling, but like you were spiraling over like cardboard. And I was, and, 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 and I, the entire time I was like, "Oh God, Paul's <laughs> loving this." 
<laughs> but the truth was that I didn't really say what I wanted mm-hmm. to play because I, I kind of thought like, oh, I was going to get an opportunity to play my game next yeah, or yeah. something, and I, I I didn't. And but that's really because I didn't announce. Yeah. I didn't say it, and and that was very that was hard. And that's when I realized like I have to start, like you know, part of managing those expectations is also managing you know other people's expectations by saying, I want, I, I want to play this. And now they're like, okay, Ben wants to play this. I can, you know, we know yep. that this is something we can prepare for. I guess. Yeah. As a final thing for me, I guess the like the dark side of this subject is like the games that get played in the group probably are somewhat an expression of status. Like our, we have our gaming group, we have mm-hmm. our friends, e- even though we're all good friends, there still are like status competitions that happen mm-hmm. in groups of friends. And when you don't get your game played, that does probably feel like a demotion a little bit, yeah. you know, and also like, you feel very you, demoted right now. Well, or you feel yeah. like you're, I'm how, like, where do I really rate in this group? Where do I really yeah. fit? You know, yeah, like that does summon up some of those things unconsciously it, like that. Unfor- you know, that's kind of like the, the dark side of this thing. And so like you're, you're advocating for yourself out of necessity and you're kind of feeling like if I don't, if I can't do this, do I really belong to this? And I've had I have had that situation in in, uh, in different groups where I felt like they like I didn't feel like I could get my games to the table very often, and finally I was like I'm gonna you know change my you know change that up a little bit you know I mean it is this aspect like where I have the advantage of saying like you guys are a group of friends and like you know and and I really like the way this the hierarchy power structure whatever you want to call it where I land in it it's yeah. a privilege you know I go like I'm, I'm 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 pretty happy where I am, uh, and uh, but anyone who isn't in you know in in their own group, like you know that, <laughs> you know, and, and so if if you're if you're being confronted with the fact that like oh your group doesn't hi- hold you w- with enough esteem, then you need to deal with it, yeah. or you're just going to be miserable. But that being said, I don't feel in the times when I haven't mm-hmm. gotten my game to the table, sure. I have not felt like I'm held in less esteem necessarily, but um. But I, it can feel that way. I guess it could. I, yeah. I didn't really think about that. But um, I'm just acknowledging that yeah, there are first, status there will distinctions be a, yeah. in yeah. game groups. Like this there could are. be tough. For example, we play we play with a number of people who are not on the podcast. Like we have status as podcast members yeah. too. That I'm just like does give us a little bit more authority. Yeah. When it, especially when it comes to things like game selection, especially because like we got to review games. Yeah. Like that ends up. You know, that's affecting. important. And yeah. I think that also like you know there are some people who are more game buyers versus those who just show up to, to play yeah. and not one's not better than another. But I, I think the act of researching and watching, uh, watching videos and buying gets you invested in a way that's like leading you on this journey. That's going to culminate with this like gameplay. We're going to play it. Yeah. And then you're like leading up to it. And then it's like, okay, it didn't work this time. All right, we're going to try it again. And so like that can, you don't realize how you've actually sort of been on an emotional journey. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, and, and that also has to be managed. Like, be like, just because you bought it, just because you researched it, like, this is about being with your friends, you know? But, you know, like, uh, I, I think we, yeah. <laughs> this is a friend, but it's a group of friends that's based upon board games. We play board games. <laughs> no, like, and, and this is, you know, it's, where's it's, that balance? Exactly. Where's the balance? Like, we, we have to find that balance. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. So, in conclusion, we don't know. 
We don't know. <laughs> Good luck. You know, hope, hope, <laughs> hope we provide any type of tools. If not, like, you know, but there are a number was, of other podcasts that might was, have better insights. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> well, hopefully people heard and they felt seen also like that. They're not crazy it, for right. having emotional experiences. And, and if you express your needs and you get kicked out of your boring gay group, just know that this is Ben's hosting segment. That's <laughs> so, right. So. I just want to manage expectations that this is the best it's going to be. Okay. This is the best of, of the podcast that I, that I, I'm, I'm most on right now because I've got to make a good impression and they're just yep. going downhill That's right. once so. I'm, I'm hosting. So everyone be ready for that. Okay. All right. Well, that being said, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, Game Brain, we have a YouTube channel, which is Game Brain Pod, like youtube.com slash C slash Game Brain Pod. Pod. There's a Facebook group. There's a Facebook page. Go join those. Like those. Um, there's a Discord channel, which is very active and very fun. Um, and uh, and there's also the rest of social media. So, ooh, let me play the outro. There we go. We're doing it. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsup, and I guess me now, Ben Mandelkirk. Yay! Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edamar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrainPod. Thanks for listening. Go play some... I didn't stick the landing, guys. Oh, and also, uh, uh, more Somalia questions, everyone. Yeah, more Somalia questions. Thanks for listening. Go play some games with friends or make some friends with games. Uh-oh.